whatsoever but i'm here anyway what's up guys what's going on it is episode 142 of the no spots podcast the no spots weekly wrestling podcast i should say i'm gonna start calling it that from now on so that way it's a little bit of a, a distinction between the, this stream that we do on twitch and any other streams that we do on twitch so that's what we're doing in 2022 I am DC's People's Champ. I'm coming to you from the People Studios in Alexandria, Virginia. I am, of course, joined as always by my taxi partner to my left. You're right if you're watching this on twitch.tv slash true no spots pod. He is coming to us for the first time in 2022 from the alternate basement. It is none other than the dark Sith Lord himself. Sith, what's going on? How are you? Hey, welcome back, everyone, to the alternate basement. We're back in the saddle over here. Got my booster shot earlier this afternoon, and all is well sore on my side. You know, champ, I got to tell you guys, the one thing that, you know what's the one thing that sucks about being born at this month is we're two weeks over for my birthday, champ? You know what sucks about it? What's that? Odds are, unless it's an Oscar release, my picket films suck for Wait, you mentioned that film. last. you mentioned that last week. Homie, recycling in jokes the last now? 42 years that I've done a birthday movie, I can count on two hands the movies that were good that weren't Oscar-related. Your birthday sucks. <laughs> it does, man. Look, oh, I can shit. think back. Underworld Rise of the Lycans was good, but then three years later, you had oh, Underworld Awakening, and I'm like, but anyway, Champ, what's good in the People Studios and Alexander Gigginson? Uh, like I just said at the very the first two words out of my mouth was no motivation. I'm like lacking a lot of motivation today. I'm just like, meh, you know, yeah. going through the mo I'm just going through the motions and whatnot. I got up like mad late today, so my whole day was already thrown off by that. And I don't know. So yeah, I'm here, but we're going to still do this podcast. We've got, uh, got a lot to cover on this podcast. Uh, of course, our New Japan recap is going to be a little bit expanded. We're going to have Sage joining us uh, momentarily uh, to talk about the three nights of Wrestle Kingdom, including last Saturday's epic New Japan versus Noah event, which I finally got to see today. Uh, it took me a long time to watch it because I was trying to watch that and I was trying to watch SmackDown and Rampage and stuff like that. So it took me a while. It took me almost all day to watch it, but I'm glad I watched it. I, I kind of wish I would have watched it on Saturday. So me and Sage could have talked about this last week. But uh, but again, because we were doing the live reactions to Impact, I had to choose one or the other to spend almost 40 bucks on. And I, ch I chose Impact and stuff like that. So, yeah, um, but. 
Thank you all for listening. For those who are listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and other plat- uh, podcasting platforms, uh, thank you to everybody watching us on Twitch. We got Hector in there. We got Wifey in there. We got Whitney in there. Uh, of course, Sif is in there as always, but he's sitting right here, so of course he's there. Um, yep. So appreciate Hi, everybody being appreciate everybody being here, and appreciate you you know taking the time out of your day or your night to come and listen to uh, two near, uh, well one forty year old and one near forty year old talk wrestling. <laughs> so we appreciate that so much. Um, all right, well let's just get right into it. We're going to get into the news. And we got a couple stories to cover here in the news this week. Uh, the first one has to do with a Hall of Famer who just can't seem to stay out of trouble. Who is that Hall of Famer, you ask? Well, it's none other than Tammy Sunny Stitch. This woman is the definition of a train wreck. Okay, so here's what happened. Uh, this past Thursday, she was in a domestic dispute with a, a man who was, she, who was her intimate partner, and she threatened the man with a pair of scissors. Mans called the cops and they arrested uh, Sonny. And they charged him with two counts of illegal possession of a weapon and one charge of making terroristic threats because she threatened to kill him with a pair of scissors. So the police, uh, the incident report said that uh, while it wasn't clear what, what it said, it wasn't, what, it wasn't clear what led to the incident, but the, and the police said Stitch raised a pair of scissors in the air towards the victim and threatened to kill him. So there's an update to this. Uh, Stitch had an appearance in court this past Friday afternoon, and she was ordered to have weekly check-ins with the court, and she cannot possess any weapons, and she was released from jail from the Monmouth County Correctional Institution in New Jersey on Friday evening. So she's out. She's out. She's out. On, she's out of jail. She got out of jail for 7:44 p.m. Eastern time. Um, oh, a police officer who witnessed the incident said that it looked as if Stitch was under the influence of drugs or alcohol at the time, and the uh, victim did not suffer any injuries from the incident. Uh, and here's a crazy thing: New Jersey does not have levels of misdemeanor felonies on char- on state charges. They have degrees, and. While these weapons charges are third-degree uh, offenses, the terrorist threat charges are fourth-degree, and if convicted, she can, she's facing a possible sentence of three to five years in prison on the weapons charges and the one year in prison for the terrorist, uh, terrorist threat charge uh, for that. So she's looking at up to six years in jail on these three, uh, char- on these three counts. And this is, again, not the first time she's been locked up. She's been locked up in multiple states over various legal issues since 2012. And she just got out of jail in June of 2021 after being uh, locked up for and and stuff like that. Sith, how dumb is this bitch? (laughs) How, How dumb is this bitch? Like, I don't get it. And the funny part is, before you answer, before you say anything... Donnie came in to our group chat after Sip posted yes. this and said this was 24 hours after she did a 24-hour free thing on OnlyFans. And my response was simply this, get shit on Stitch. <laughs> you did a free thing and then you got locked up. Get shit on. Sip, can you make any sense of this for me, please? Sunny, 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 sunny. Sunny. Sonny, this is the Sith Lord. What the hell were you thinking? Okay, look. In our chat, breaking the fourth wall again, for the second time, at least for tonight, 
I called her a derailment. This woman just, you know, Edgar just said, someone get DDP on the phone. The woman, I swear, if she honestly thinks she has a problem, DDP might be able to help. The problem is that getting her post that help from DDP, it, she reminds me a lot of Robert Downey Jr. before Robert Downey Jr. got clean. And how did he express getting in trouble with the drugs and the weapons and everything to the judge? He talked about the drugs being the barrel of the gun in his mouth and he liked the taste of the barrel. Sonny, you can't keep living like this. You can't. My God. It, it didn't take you more than a couple of weeks for TMZ to light your ass up again. And you want to know why people won't book you? You want to know why OnlyFans is your only revenue stream? Girl, get some help. That's all I'm going to say. Get some fucking help. Honestly, Hector, DDP, I think, I think she's too far gone for anybody to help her at this point. Because, yep. honestly, I mean, this is, she just got out of jail June of last year. It hasn't even, it's been a little over six months. And she's back in jail again. And now she's looking at up to six years for threatening this dude who she was intimate with. With scissors. For what reason? I don't know and I don't care because it doesn't matter. Sonny is beyond help and maybe she needs to go to jail for six years for her to wake the fuck up and realize, bro, this ain't it. That needs to happen. She also needs to be kicked out of the Hall of Fame. Right, right. Uh, I mean, really- my God, if you're going to kick out all these other people but keep Sonny in there, what does that tell you? So we're going to have Sage come in for the New Japan segment in a bit, but he just told me he wants in on this. So, ladies and gentlemen, our New Japan insider and analyst, he woke up as this guy named Sage. What's up, dude? Uh, What's up, Sage? What's going on? What's going on? I see he's got his Raiders gear on. His Raiders are in the playoffs. It's it's, 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 it's hard out here for a Raider. Um, It's getting hard out here for a Raider. This game is no joke. Um, on, on, on the note of Sonny, right? And y'all say that she may be too far gone. I, I, we could have said that same thing about Scott Hall. Scott Hall was too far gone. But him and Jake but, Roberts. And Jake, I got ready to say, mm-hmm. and Jake the Snake. They were too far gone, and they got the help. She just need to get the help. The crazy part is, Sonny's been a independent person. Uh, um, she's paved. She's paved the way. So, what it comes down to is that even if she threatened this person with a knife, we didn't get the full story of it, but. I don't see Sonny as an individual that'll sit there and get uh, abused, attacked, or anything of the sort and let some some man try to overpower her. So 
that can be a good thing and a bad thing all at the same time. But I still think it's help out there for Sonny. I still think it's help out there. It just depends on who she gets the help from. Because not everybody can help. Not everybody can help. Not, yeah, not every, not everybody. Mm-mm. Yeah, no, you're no, everybody you're right about that. Help. You're right about that. I just, I just don't know. I'm, I just don't know. But when you bring up Scott Hall and you bring up Jake Roberts, then I think you know what? Maybe there is a chance for her. But maybe this. Maybe her going back to jail again might, like I just said before I brought you on, might be the wake-up call she needs to get the help Maybe that it, she needs. Maybe you know? it might be. It might be. Because when I read that report, I was like, come on, Sonny. But I was like, I don't think with the pandemic and everything in place, I don't think she was seeking the help then. So right. for her to now, so for, for, for something else to happen, and it's it's the new year, like, Sonny, you started the new year off wrong. Come on, sweetheart. Uh, you gotta right. get it together. Yep. Right, right. Well, Sage, we got other news stories to cover before me and you get to talking about Wrestle Kingdom because I know we I got a lot to talk watching. about. I'm, li- I'm listening. I'm listening. I'm listening to these stories because some of these stories are hilarious. I'm- All right. Well, Did we'll bring you, you back in just a bit. All right. Oh. And by the way, I'll let you respond to Hector when you come back because he said some shit about your Raiders, but I'll let you respond when you get back. Oh, shit. This oh. Get shit on Hector. Get shit on Hector. <laughs> shit on. Anyway, all right, next news story. John Moxley, as you know, he's been out of action for the last uh, um, couple months or so uh, after he checked himself into alcohol rehabilitation well the mox is already there's been an announcement of the mox's first match back since that time and it will be coming up on january the 23rd when he defends the gcw heavy world heavyweight championship against the notorious 187 homicide at the world on gcw event uh this will be his first actual wrestling appearance since October 30th, when he defeated Jimmy Jacobs at the Wrestling Revolver's Tales from the Ring 4 event. It'll be his first TV appearance uh, for, for, the, for the former AEW World Champion or pay-per-view appearance when, since his time, when, since he made his uh, last appearance on Dynamite. And even after that, he had his appearance on New Japan that was previously taped where he had the street fight with Kingston against Suzuki Goons, Minoru Suzuki, and Lance Archer. Uh, shortly after he won his match against 10 in the first round of the AEW World Championship Eliminator Tournament, he voluntarily decided he was going to take time away from wrestling to enter rehabilitation for alcohol treatment. The announcement was made by Tony Khan on the behest of moxley and since then mox has been pretty much radio silent until now and he's going and now he's going to be wrestling where he's going to be defending the championship and what is going to be the fifth singles match between the two men since 2011 how do you feel about this one Seth? this is gonna be one hell of a banger okay camp and i've seen homicide wrestle okay Moxley, we know he can wrestle. This is going to be one hell of a banger. Next Sunday. Matter of fact, it's next Sunday. No, the 23rd is, I believe, next Sunday. Yep. Next yep. Sunday. Next Sunday. Um, 
Much respect to Moxley for taking the time off to handle what he needed to handle. And as Hector just said, it's going to be a war. It will be a war. And I'm going to call it right now. I would love to see Moxley go up against Matt Cardona. Mm, mm. Yes. Speaking Talk of Cardona. War. Yeah, oh but God. this car looks really dope for, for GCW because you got that, the world title. Gre- Jonathan Gresham is defending the ROH world title uh, against uh, Blake uh, on, on, on this car, which should be a banger because it's going to be under pure rules. So this will be a nice technical wrestling yep. match. Joey Janela and Matt Cardona are going to face off. And I'm wondering who's the face, who's the heel in this one because Cardona's a face everywhere else but, but GCW and NWA. Whereas Janela's heel in AEW, but he might be the face. I don't. It'll be interesting to see. Face in this match, but it's going to be an oddity because, as you just said, Cardona is a face everywhere, but GCW and in the NWA. All I know is that Hammerstein Ballroom about to be lit, and especially with with Moxley in the main event with Homicide, Mm -hmm. it's going to be lit. So. Good luck to Mox. I'm glad he's able to come back. He's able to handle his business, and uh, it'll be great to see him back uh, in a wrestling ring. It'll be great to see him back in AEW. Uh, going away from returns, we're going to have somebody on the SmackDown roster, which is already stretched thin as it is with a multitude of injuries that they already have. Yet another SmackDown superstar has gone down with an injury and will be missing the Royal Rumble. Uh, no, he's well. He doesn't condone weaponry, but he's still defending his ROH title mm-hmm. in a pure rules match uh, at the paper at the event, Hector. So I'm pretty sure it's not going to be weapons. It's going to be under pure rules. I'm pretty sure they agreed to that. But this SmackDown star is a, yet another SmackDown star is getting ready to miss the Royal Rumble due to injury. That would be King Woods. King Woods said uh, said on his G4s the attack of the show. Uh, program the other night that he suffered an injury to his calf when he did the big t- uh, tornado DDT and then took a pop-up Samoan drop from Jimmy and ended up causing the injury. So it's an injured calf. It was also confirmed by uh, Kofi Kingston on SmackDown last night, Friday night, that he was injured and would be missing the Royal Rumble. Um, so... Doctors say are expecting him to be out of action for at least four to six weeks, uh, which means that he will be missing the Royal Rumble on the 29th, and he will be most likely missing the the Saudi Arabia show that's coming up on February the 19th. Sith, man, oh man, SmackDown, which has been the A show throughout this pandemic, it's looking. It's not looking good for them in terms of Royal Rumble representation on in both women's and men's. With King Woods now being out, we already had Sasha out. Uh, Rich Holland still is recovering from a broken nose. I mean, yep. what 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 are they going to do here? What are they going to do? Well, they had a number one contenders tournament last night on SmackDown, but that being said. They're going to have to do something that reportedly Vince didn't want to do. Let's make a call up to NXT. And you know who I'd like to see come up in there? Who? 
Grayson Walder, Ron Breaker. Called in some of the big hosses in NXT just for one night, just for the Royal Rumble. Bring well, I mean, there. I mean, the trend has been, Seth, that with the Royal Rumble, even when the rosters weren't stretched thin, yeah. they did bring up a couple NXT folks, like, to kind of fill in the gaps for people yeah. that they, like, in the gaps of people they weren't using. Uh, but I think that might have to be the thing where a large majority of this Royal Rumble may be NXT 2.0 talent. Because, again, SmackDown is worn thin. Raw is fine in terms of there's no major injuries that have people out with the, you know. Also, I, I failed to mention, of course, Drew McIntyre, who's currently yep. out dealing with a neck issue. So, I mean, you don't have a lot on the SmackDown side of things. And SmackDown has been, like I said, carrying this, this the WWE through the pandemic with much better booking and storylines than Raw and better quality of matches than Raw. But it's not looking good for SmackDown. So, it's uh Prayers up to Xavier Woods. Uh, hopefully he's able to recover from this and come back and be much better and stronger than ever because this King gimmick he was doing has been absolutely amazing. Uh, been and, uh, all right. I don't know why Twitch keeps kicking you off, Hector. That might I don't know what's going on. might be your Wi-Fi. might be your Wi-Fi kicking you off. I don't know. Yeah, it might um, be your Wi-Fi but part. our final story. Um, no! You're... Shit on. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Our final story is going to definitely segue us into our New Japan recap with Sage, which I can't wait for. But a current New Japan star and New Japan current champion has re-signed with the company. Who would that be, you ask? I even teased this to Sith. So, thank you, Sunshine. Appreciate the 50 bits. Just to build the anticipation a little bit more. That's right. Let's go, baby. I'm watching you and Dad by play some Fall Guys. I got I got you tabbed up. It's all good. Appreciate you. I love you. Thank you. I love you. So, who is that champion and star of New Japan that has signed a new contract? Well, it is none other than the IWGP United States Heavyweight Champion Hiroshi Tanahashi. He posted the picture on his Instagram uh, and tweeted it out, saying, uh, announcing that he had renewed his contract with the company, saying, quote, I will do my best. Now, the length of the contract was not, was not, was not disclosed, but he has been pretty much the standard bearer for New Japan Pro Wrestling for the longest time. Uh, for many years, though, New Japan had kept its wrestlers on one-year contracts, but by... 2016, after the departures of AJ Styles and Shinsuke Nakamura, they switched to a multi-year contract system. So, the 45-year-old Hiroshi Tanahashi is a product of New Japan and uh, has, like again, been the stand-up bearer after he made his in-ring debut for the company in October of 1999. He has been a multiple-time IWGP heavyweight champion. He is now in his second reign as IWGP United States heavyweight champion after he absolutely beat the shit out of Kenta in the Tokyo yes. Dome on night two in that hellacious no disqualification match, which me and Sage are going to get into in, in just a bit. After he hit a high fly flow off the top of the ladder, my God. Uh, so, again, Tanahashi, eight reigns at IWGP heavyweight champion. Again, currently holding the U.S. championship. Three-time winner of the G1 Climax Tournament. A two-time holder of the IWGP Intercontinental Championship. And just an absolutely amazing, amazing human being. Sith, how do, you, how do you react to this? Great signing here. It's always good when you can re-sign 
your talent that is exceptional. And when someone tells me about Tanahashi, that's the first word that describes him to me. Exceptional. Because he's one of the wrestlers that you can count on day in, day out, that put in the work. And they not only put in that work, but they give 150% in the ring. Solid signing, all for him getting extended. Great move. Yeah, I'm very happy for Tanahashi. Again, he is uh, up. To, he isn't at the age now. He's 45 years old, so it, it he's 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 got some. He feels like he has some time left, but how much time he has left, we don't know. Uh, Minoru Suzuki and and freaking uh, Nagata is still wrestling. They're both at 52, 53, or something like that. So I mean, yep. these guys, these guys, these Japanese wrestlers, they wrestle until they're sixty. So I'm sure Tanahashi's going to be going for it at a, for a long, long time, and it'll be great to see. So that with that being said, that is our news and notes for this week. And now we get to our New Japan recap, which again is an expanded version because we're going to bring Sage back in. Uh, take care. Go, we'll see you in a bit there, Sith. And we bring back in Sage because now it's time for us to talk about the three nights of Wrestle Kingdom 16. The two nights in the Tokyo Dome and then night three in Yokohama Arena, New Japan versus Noah. Sage. I know it's I, I know the game is I know the game is like is like making you sick right now. Let's talk let's talk wrestling. I'm there. I'm here. Let's talk let's talk some wrestling. I'm here. Let's talk some wrestling. So let's talk about night one. So what we're going to do is I'm going to go over the results really quickly. And then Sage will just give his thoughts on the, on that very night. And then when we get to, when we get to night three, I can't wait to talk about night three. Cause I saw it today and I, wow. Okay. So first we had, of course we had the opening matches, the new Japan Rambo to determine who would be the first four to contend for the 20, the KOPW 2022 provisional trophy. And the final four were Chase Owens who started number one again. Chase on the K. That's right. Toriano, who was the, who finished 2021 with the trophy. Sema. Yeah. And 2020 Sema who made his return to New Japan for the first time in a long time. Yeah. And murder grandpa himself, Minoru Suzuki. Wow. So there you go. Those were your final four. You'll find out who won on night two in just a bit. We opened the show with Sho versus Yo going at it. They mm. went at it for 12 minutes and 32 seconds mm. with Yo getting a surprise pinfall victory over Sho. So mm. it's, you can tell that that rivalry is either going to end or continue. We don't know. Our second they match saw... Yeah, probably. Our second match saw Kenta and BC's cutest tag team win in, at, by disqualification after Hiroshi Tanahashi snapped and was beating the crap out of Kenta with a kendo stick, uh, which is the setup for their match that was going to happen on the next night. Our third match saw the United Empires, Will Ospreay, Great O'Connor, and Jeff Cobb win over LIJs, Bushi, Sonata, and Naito. Ospreay nailing the hidden blade on Bushi for the victory. Then in our special singles match, which was supposed to be under certain rules, but Katsuyori Shibata called an audible. First off, his opponent was Rendon Rita. Number two, Shibata in the middle, right before the match started, called an audible and turned it into a regular special singles match with strikes and everything. 
and proceeded to absolutely show why he's one of the best professional wrestlers in the world uh, and won in 11 minutes and 45 seconds. But there were reports that backstage, the moment he changed the rules, people were scrambling. So that was not planned at all. Uh, next, we had our Never Openweight Championship match, and we now have a new champion. In Ishii's first defense of that title, he loses to Evil in 12 minutes and 10 seconds with a lot of help, by the way. Then in our semifinal, the World Tag League 2021 winners, Yoshihashi and Goto, would defeat the Dangerous Techers to become the 92nd IWGP Heavyweight Tag Team Champions in 15 minutes and 27 seconds. Well, that was the sixth match. The semifinal was El Desperado in his first defense in his second reign as champion, finally getting his victory over Hiromu with the Pinche Loco, two Pinche Locos as a matter of fact, to yes. beat the best of the Super Junior 28 winner, uh, Hiromu Takashi, to retain the Junior Heavyweight Championship. And in the main event, in his fourth defense as the third IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Shingo Takagi fell to the Raymaker in 35 minutes and 44 seconds. Kazuchika Okada wins the match. The G1 Climax 31 winner wins the IWGP Heavy World Heavyweight Championship. And then after the match, he would take the V4 heavyweight championship belt say a proper goodbye to it and accept the world heavyweight championship and be recognized as the world champion before and you'll find out what happened on night two with him and and osprey but first sage how did you think night one did in terms of setting up what would happen for these other for this the other two nights um my man death i'm wearing you see i'm wearing all white too my man, Desperado. Desperado is it for me? Desperado was MVP of the night. Desperado was MVP of the night because Desperado. This was something he needed badly. He needed it badly, and 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 he needed it at Wrestle Kingdom. So Desperado, that was that was a that was beautiful. Um, surpri- the surprise of the night was, uh, for me, there was three surprises. Seema, Murder Grandpa, both qualified for that next night's match, and Ishii lost the title on the first defense. Right. Yeah, I, I mean, con- I was confused. That breaks all the rules I know so far. Especially given the fact that before Ishii even won the championship, now like Jay White had a very long reign with that championship, albeit he only had maybe one or two defenses in America after winning the title. But yeah, no, I was confused by that too. I said, "Wait, Ishii loses on his first defense? What?" Yeah, so that that was a that was a don't get it twisted. It was a great call. It was a great call, such as the card wise, because you you had you had two title changes, three title changes. I'm sorry, you had three title changes. One of them I really don't want to recognize. Hey, Tai Chi, get shit on. (laughs) 
<laughs> Get shit on. All he had left by the end of night two was a towel. Get shit on. No, 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 no. Not that. Not no, no, no. No, he had. T- he had. He had him that night. He had Zach that night. The That's what I'm saying. Night. No, I said at the end of at the end of night two, all he had was a towel. He didn't have Mio Abe or Zach. Fuck. <laughs> oh I'm, I'm, shit! I was hurt. I was hurt. I was hurt. I, I felt hurt. that title change was coming. I felt it. I don't I know why felt I felt it, it but I felt it. But I felt it because of they wanted Yoshihashi to win this. I felt like the company was finally backing Yoshihashi. So, back in Yoshihashi, you know, he, okay, all right, they sent the train turn, um, but Shingo and Okada, boy, if you audio listeners, I wanted Shingo to win that match so bad. Like, I really did. Like, he put on a performance that I was super proud of. Yeah. And by the way, for the audio listeners, when we went silent, we were both just shaking our heads because that's just how astonished we were by that main event like, of night one. Like, holy shit. He, he pulled out everything he could. He pulled out everything he could. He even went back into his pro wrestling uh, Noah game book. And, and pulled out moves that he used in Noah. And and but I, I say it again, and I said it, I said it during the G the G one. G one Okada is different. He built different. Tokyo, He's so built different. Tokyo Tokyo Dome Okada is just something out of this world. Out of this world. And we ain't even got in the night two. This was just night one. And and so crazy part is night night one, like as the as it was ending live, I was on my way to work. Mm. Got to work and tested positive for COVID. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, you got to work and then I had to go back home because you had you got the tested positive. It was like, oh shit. So I so I watched so I watched it. On, on my big TV, and I'm like, yo, this thing is off the chain. Night one was crazy. Night one was crazy. Night one night was one. crazy. Night one was crazy, and let's get into night two. Uh, night two had two, had a surprise for me because I was only expecting uh, them to get right into the action, but instead they gave us three pre-show matches to, uh, to start mm-hmm. us off. You had G, uh, you had GBH and Nagata defeat Jado Gato and Bad Luck Fale with Homa actually getting a pinfall. That's a shock to in me 20, in 2022. Right in 2022. 2022, Tomaaki Homa got a got to hit, hit his a Kokeshi pinfall. and win a pinfall a victory pinfall. for Kokeshi, and then and then Togi Makabe was gassing him up in the backstage comments. He was gassing him, him up, up. <laughs> bro. Then the next matchup would reveal who would be the uh, challenger for a championship upcoming as 
Sage's second favorite wrestler, Master Watso, pinned Desperado. No, tapped him out to get the victory with uh, Ten Koji to beat Takamichi Noku, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Desperado. So now Master Watso is the next challenger for the Junior Heavyweight Championship. I'll get your thoughts on that in just a second, Sage. Just Jesus Christ. I'm, I got plenty of thoughts on that too, but I'm going to save them. Then next, LIJ's Takagi Bushi and Hiromu beat Doki and the Dangerous Techers. Doki got beat with the Last of the Dragon, and that's when Taichi went in the back all alone with a towel. Poor guy. Get shit on. Uh, then we would open the show proper with the three-way match for the Junior Heavyweight Tag Team Championships, and the Flying Tigers <clears throat> remain champions after Ishimori and Phantasmo, BC's cutest tag team, got, got ejected from the ma- got ejected from the match after Phantasmo was finally exposed with a loaded boot, and they couldn't disqualify because the three ways no disqualification. So they ejected him out of the match, and it ended up being Rocky and Taguchi and my, uh, Eagles and Tiger Mask. Eagles would tap out Rocky with the Ron Miller special to retain the championships. Then we would get history in the making. Because we would see stardom, not in the pre-show match, not in the dark match, but the second match of the night. As Saya Kamitani and Tam Nakano would defeat the Starlight Kid and Mayu Iwatani with the Phoenix Splash being the final blow from Saya onto Starlight Kid to get the victory. The match went 9 minutes and 14 seconds. And after this match, when they had their backstage comments, all four women were very much very thankful and and humbled by the the opportunity to wrestle in the Tokyo Dome and actually wrestle on the main card and not on the pre-show. And these women went out there and absolutely killed it. They were amazing. I'm sure Sage will have his thoughts on that in just a bit. Our third match was for the KOPW 2022 Provisional Trophy, the four-way, and it was Murder Grandpa himself. Minoru Suzuki is your KOPW 2022 Provisional Champion. God help whoever challenges him next besides Toriano. But he would pin Toriano with the gosh style pile driver. But then at the end of it, Minoru Suzuki got handcuffed to the ring ropes, having to be free from that and beating up young boys and stuff like that. Young Lion, that was messed up. We are in, I think we are in the end times there, Hector. That home of the horse voice home got a pin. Yes, we are in the end times. There we go. Uh, next, we would have for the never open weight six man tag team championships, the House of Torture would retain over Chaos. Uh, Yo, Yoshihashi, and Hiroki Goto show would get the pin on Yo. So, like Say said earlier, that's going to continue. Then we will have our back to back special singles matches between LIJ and the United Empire, with Sonata getting the O'Connell Bridge pin on Great O'Conn, and Naito with Destino on Jeff Cobb to get the victory over him. So, the United Empire is not looking good for them. Um, with one more match before Will Ospreay. 0-2. They 0-2. And then in the semifinal, and what was an amazing and physically violent match, Hiroshi Tanahashi hit a high fly flow from the very top of the ladder onto Kenta, who was laying on a table after he got busted open after he was pushed off the ladder onto a trash can on trash can and caught the the sharp edge of it and cut himself open Hiroshi Tanahashi for the second time is the IWGP United States heavyweight champion and he was 
he he was really opining about that in his backstage comments because he had to go to a place he never thought he would go to, but he had to go there in order to do this. The match was 22 minutes and 40 seconds, and I bet they felt every minute of that 20. I bet they felt every second of that 22 minutes and 40 seconds for the next couple of days. <laughs> and then well, in the as, main as event, Kenta is just going to be feeling that for a while. Yeah, pretty much. I'll we'll get into that in just a bit as well. But um, and then in the main event. Uh, Kazuchika Okada, his first defense as the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, went up against his former brother, his former stablemate, Will Ospreay. IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. You got the, the, go ahead and say, you got to say Ospreay is the real IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He ain't, the real cha- he ain't the real champion anymore. He got shit on. Rainmaker his ass in the next he Tuesday. Get, he didn't shit on because he put up a fight. You know you're right. He did. He he put up a hell of a fight. But Okada, but Okada would retain the championship. It went 32 minutes and 52 seconds. Pretty much, and then, and so afterwards, he would get ready to do his. He was doing his post match comments, sending you know, giving some respect to Osprey. He said the real champion is talking, but you have a, like your fight is strong and stuff like that. Then said, Naito yeah, came out. He said verbatim, "I'm the real champ." But Osprey, you are the real dick. Yep. So it was it was physical, and then Naito came out and made the challenge for be this next contender, the next challenger. Oh, and Naito wait. agreed, and uh, Okada agreed, wait. and that's gonna that's actually set up for the end of this Golden Series tour in Okaido. So can't wait for that. Man. But Sage, night two, your thoughts? Night two, night two. I don't know which night is better. I'm gonna say that first of all, between one and two of exclusively. New Japan, and don't forget, night was it night two? Noah took over the ring. That's right. Noah came out in the middle of the show. They came out to KG Muto's music. It was crazy, and then they got in the ring, and then Kano got in there, and just absolutely was just getting his shit off, and then yeah. and then Takagi, yeah. Takagi Bushi and Hiromu come out like they was gonna do something. It was like, bro, it's three on twenty five. Don't do that to yourselves. Like, they relax. Was like, they, they was like, we just want to be face to face and hear this crap that you talk. That, that but, is, yeah, Kano was getting his shit off though. He was getting his shit off though. Like when Chris was translating, I was like. How do you be that disrespectful in somebody's ring? Like, and then I remembered I was a heel. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but like, night two, Murder Grandpa winning the K- KOPW Provisional Championship is fucking scary. Um, so I'm, scary. I'm honest. I'm honestly terrified at what the hell is about to happen with the KOPW. Um. Y'all know, y'all know took that thing to a new level. Suzuki might take that thing beyond. Um, yeah, that, it makes me ner- it makes me so nervous. What is going to come out of the mind of that man, knowing that he could pick stipulations for that match? Oh he man! Even said, he even said, "Y'all made a mistake by putting me in that Rambo." I'm, uh, I'm terrified. I'm really terrified for anybody else that tried. The one real person I'm really terrified for, I'm terrified for Chase. Because if he decides to challenge for that, I'm really, really terrified for Chase. 
Right. Um, uh, United, United Empire failed. They failed. 0 oh, 3. 0 oh, 3. Here's the crazy part because we did this shit last year and they did the same thing. The only Why difference can't they is. They win at the Tokyo Dome. Only difference is they didn't have a New Year's dance to try to break someone's neck like they did last year. Right. <laughs> they didn't have a New Year's dash to go out and just try to break somebody's freaking neck. Well, not yet, because I don't think New Year's dash is happening yet. Um, no, I don't think it's ever. I don't uh, think it's happening. I checked the schedule. There's no New Year's dash. They're going right into no the Golden dash. Series tour on the twentieth. Oh, because it's because it's the fiftieth year. Okay. Um. Yeah. No, like. Come on, y'all. Y'all went. Y'all y'all lost. Owen, y'all went Owen three back to back Wrestle Kingdom. Y'all haven't y'all haven't won since manufacturing at Wrestle Kingdom. So y'all can't win when the light is divided. And technically they went one Owen four on the on the two nights because Aaron Hanari was in the Rambo and he didn't win it. So hey, United Empire, knock knock. Who's there? Owen. Owen Nobody. who? Owen four, bitch. <laughs> No, <laughs> nothing, <laughs> nothing, nobody. They can't get shit. They keep getting shitted on. It's, hey, like, Sage, wife, Sage, wifey says hello, miss, and she misses you. Hola. And uh, and then Hector said, someone called nine one one or whatever Japan's equivalent is, because I think Kenta died. Kenta definitely no, died. Kenta, uh, now, now, I was, I was making my way to that. Um. I've never seen that that Tanahashi before. That Tanahashi scares some of the Tanahashi loyals. I, I he can't. I've never seen Tanahashi do what he did at Wrestle Kingdom at any previous Wrestle Kingdom before. He's never been put in a situation like that. So for him to even rise to the occasion. And become an, an animal that he became. Tanahashi was a complete animal. Like we know Kenta to be that kind of savage. Tanahashi became a level that he probably never wants to go to again. Like that half fly flow off the ladder, bruh, bruh. Like when he hit the joint off the ladder, I said. Oh, oh, Kenta dead. <laughs> yep. Kenta dead. Ain't no Kenta. got fucked up by that trash can lid when he fell off the ladder. He got oh, fucked man. up, and oh, then he got man. worse with oh, that after man. that. Oh man, I, I like, but but Kenta was really fucking Tanahashi up most of that match. He was he Pretty was Tanahashi much, but when it mattered the most, and again, just like Okada. When the lights get bright and that and you in that Tokyo Dome, it, it's a different Tanahashi. He becomes the ace of the universe. He built different, and, definitely. And definitely, because not is it ain't been that long ago that we just watched Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Virginia try to unscrew his kneecap. This this year for Tanahashi. And I, I want to touch this quickly because we got to get to the night three and then wrap this up. 2021 for Tanahashi was a lot better than 2020, honestly, storyline-wise. Oh, 
it was a Absolutely. lot better. It was a lot better. Absolutely. I think 2020 was kind of like kind of shaky for a lot of people because of the fact that fact, you know the pandemic. The, the pandemic. They were shut down for a couple months and then they came back. Half the roster wasn't there because the you know Japan is pretty much shut off from from everybody else at this point. Right. So I mean, but I think this was a better year. But let's move on to night three. Took place at the Yokohama Arena with an attendance of 7,077 fans. Uh, we got a couple of pre-show matches. A couple of the young lines from both uh, promotions went at it. Yeah. It would be the lone draw of the night. Kosei Fuji- Fujita and Yasutaka Yano went at it to a 10-minute draw. And then the third generation of Nagata, Kojima, and Tenzan would defeat Aki, Aki, I'm not going to even attempt to say that. Uh, Saito, King Tani, and Muhammad Yone, Yone, and it was a, it was a match. It was it was a match, but it was you know. But once you get hit with that right arm of, of Kojima, you ain't getting up. It's not happening. Ain't no getting up from Kojima. And then we opened with a with a with a ten man tag. We had Master Wato and Ryusuke Taguchi team six oh nine along with the tag champions, the heavyweight tag champions, Yoshihashi and Goto Hiroki Goto, along with Ishii going up against Kenya Okada, Yoshiki Inamura, uh Daiki Inaba, Hajime Ohara, and Daisuke Harada. Uh Yoshihashi actually got a tap out victory. They are pushing the fuck out of Yoshihashi right now, dude. What the fuck is going on? We'll get to that. Then show, then show using his 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 nice little wrench got a pinball victory over uh, Kotoge, which was an, it was an interesting so made, match between two so junior made, heavyweights. That makes hold on. That, that means New Japan has won how many matches so far? Three in a row. Okay. They okay. were three. They were they were three. They were three zero oh, and one at this point. Then third, the third match, it swung the tie for Noah because uh, okay. Hayata and Seki Yoshi Oka defeated Gato and Taiji Ishimori. Uh, Hayata hit yeah. Gato with the headache finishing maneuver to get Noah's first victory on the night. Uh, okay. It wouldn't. It would continue on the next one because. Our ju- the junior heavyweight champion El Desperado wins the match along right. with Doki. Hour. You said it right. Our junior heavyweight. Go ahead. Go ahead. You can keep going. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. This motherfucker. All right. Well, they 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 defeated Nosawa Ronge and Yohei. The Piche Loco was the the difference in this one. This one went nine minutes and nine seconds. Then once again, Noah would get another notch on the win column because uh, Segura Gun was down one because Kenta's out for a while with multiple injuries. So Takashi Segura made a phone call. To Toriyano of all people. <laughs> and then they got the victory over Taka Michinoku, Minoru Suzuki, and Taichi. Poor Taka getting hit with the Olympic Yosin slam and they win. Toriyano. I couldn't. I can't. <laughs> yeah, shit. Uh, Toriyano go to the highest bidder, fam. Go ahead. <laughs> Right, and then, then the next matchup, we'll see another victory for Noah to even things out. Go Shiozaki and Masa Kitamaya, huh? They don't even nothing. It's four to it's four to three. Oh yeah, that's right. It's four to three. But Go Shiozaki and Masa Kitamaya defeated Dick Togo and Evil. Even after okay. House of Torture got involved, House of Torture okay. got involved, and they still lost. Fucking, yeah, fucking Yujiro wasn't even on the card, but he was there anyway. He tried to help out. Hey, Still got hey, shit on. He tried. He tried, right? 
but then in the but then in the seventh match it did get even up to four because not now no Marafuji, I can't say his first name. Marifuji? And Ogawa did huh? You talking about Marafuji? Yeah, now now Michi Marafuji and uh Yoshimari Ogawa defeated Yoshinobu Kanamaro and Zack Sabre Jr. with the sheer noy by Marafuji on Kanamaro. Chris was telling the story about how these guys are all connected because of their time in Noah, so that's why this match came about. But this made it 4-4, even Steven, going into the final two matches of the night, which would be our semifinal, which is brand warfare, stable supremacy, a war between LIJ and Congo, which saw LIJ come out victorious with the last exactly. of the dragon on Tatsusuke uh, uh, to give that team the victory. Kanoa wasn't happy about it. It got jumped. So there you go. And then in the main event, the dream team of the IWGP World Heavyweight Champion, Kazuchika Okada, and the IWGP United States Champion, Hiroshi Tanahashi, would defeat the team of Kayamayo uh, Kato and Keiji Muto, Rainmaker for Okada on Kato to get the victory. Kato was understandably very, very upset and emotional afterwards. So was a young lady that was sitting at ringside. I don't know who she was. They didn't mention her, but she was there crying. Uh, and Chris said that Okada was telling the young man, as he translated, like, this is where you find out what kind of man you are. So there you go. And... There you go. Night three in a nutshell. What do you think, Sage? New Japan over Noah. There's a reason why we cover New Japan and not Noah. They're more su superior. And they're superior in this game. New Japan is the top dog. Noah put up a good fight. That's all you could put up, though. That's all you could put up. Because you can't beat New Japan. You want, you listen to the matches that they won. They won against people that they, they should have. They should have. You had half, you had half, halfway tag teams out there. You had people, it was just like, it was just like, uh, 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 uh. Mr. Blue Justice and Tiger Man. You had that that y'all beat. But y'all didn't beat the matches that mattered. The matches that mattered, y'all couldn't win. Congo talked all that shit night two. Talked about how Shingo ain't got his title. Shingo ain't needed and he still pinned you. They were talking big shit, got shit they on. Talk, <laughs> like, what the they fuck? Big shit. They talked big shit on, on night two. You first of all, you waited to intermission to come over and take over the ring. And then you talk big shit. And then what happened? You just get you just made New Japan like New Japan probably was like, we ain't care at first. Then y'all came out and did that, and New Japan said, Oh no, we got you. We 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 uh, we understood the assignment. Five to four. Yeah. One match. But then also this. Congo got all those people. And LIJ still won. You wouldn't even let Naito. You wouldn't even let Naito do his lay in the ring. Because y'all ran in and jumped on him. 
Oh, you think Naito was happy about that? Nah, that pissed Naito off. So now, now, now Naito got to be a dickhead. Because that's what he does. That's just who he is. Yeah, pretty much. So really quickly, Sage, before we let you go. Uh, so up next up, we have the Golden Series uh, tour that's going to be a month-long tour. It ends in Sapporo on February the 19th Ooh, and the 20th. And they've already announced some major championship matches on those nights. On night one, you will have for the heavyweight tag team championships, Goto and Yoshihashi challenged by Evil and Yujiro Takahashi of the House of Torture. The junior heavyweight tag championships will be on the line. The Flying Tigers going up against BC's cutest tag team. And in the main event of night one, Hiroshi Tanahashi will be defending the IWGP US heavyweight championship against Sonata. And then on night two, you will have the first defense of the KOPW 2022 Provisional Trophy, Suzuki versus Yano. For the Never Six-Man Tag Team Championships, it's a rematch from Wrestle Kingdom Night 2. Yo, uh, Yoshiashi and Goto against the House of Torture, the champions. And in the main event, it is the second defense of the heavy World Heavyweight Championship for Okada against Tetsuya Naito. I can't wait for that, dude. I can't I'm, wait. I'm, 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 I can't wait for that. That tour is going to be really good. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for those tours. I'm waiting for those yep. tours. And they begin. Lot, and they begin happen. on Thursday. They begin on Thursday, January yeah. the twentieth. Uh, there's already matches out there. You can just check out njpw1972.com to see those matches Absolutely. and you know things like that. So, Sage, before we let you go, tell the people how they can find you, what you got going on, and everything like that, man. Besides trying to get over COVID. Oh, I'm over COVID. Tested negative finally. Um, Bet. Uh, if, if, if the Raiders really lose this as, as it's looking that we're about to lose, um, you might not be able to find me. I might be, I might be somewhere tucked away under a rock until the playoffs are over. Yeah. Um, but just know you will see Sage again because we will be kicking off our we will be kicking off our series uh, recapping the New Japan Cup coming up in yes. March. So you yes. will see him again I then. I will be back. I will be back. And uh, you know maybe special guest appearances here and there because you know I know y'all gonna recap these championship matches and stuff like that. So might pop in and out every now and then on the no stuff again. There you go. There you go. So. We appreciate you coming in and talking some uh, New Japan Wrestle Kingdom. Wrestle Kingdom was really awesome this year. It's, it's, a wonder, it's a wonder how they're going to top this year, next year, with uh, Wrestle Kingdom 17. It's going to be a great question. That's a great question. Uh, I want to see how everything is everything going to open back up soon. That's the question. That's what I want to see. I'm waiting for the New Japan Cup uh, list to come out. Yeah. That list determines how the rest of this year goes. True, true. Well, Sage, man, I'll talk to you later, man. Thank you for the time, my brother. Love y'all. Enjoy. I'm, I'm, I'm going to come over here. I need prayer and prayer hands. Everybody send your prayers to the Raiders. All right, man. Take care. Yeah. Uh, All right. Four guys. It's going good to through. have him back. Yeah, Raiders. Ready feeling better. Yeah, I'm glad he's feeling better, better as well. Wifey is is still trying to get over COVID herself. Junior's pretty much on the other side. Uh, COVID sucks. COVID really sucks. It does. It sucks. All right. That, 
I hope that didn't. I hope that didn't go longer than thirty minutes. This is gonna be a long podcast. All right. Well, you know what? It is what it is. We have a lot to talk yep. about. We need to not restrict ourselves so much. But all right, it's now time to talk about Impact Wrestling's Heart to Kill, their first pay per view of twenty twenty two, and it was a banger. It was an absolute yes. banger. It was Unlike so the much. Unlike of Dexter New Blood, this was a banger. And, I mean, you saw us on the live stream reactions. We had an absolute blast. So, for everybody who did tune in for that, we appreciate you guys so much for tuning in for that. We had an absolute blast doing that. It was so much fun. And, thankfully, like I said, it it was on a Saturday, so I was able to sleep in on a Sunday and not have to do anything. But, still, it was was so much fun. So, let's get right into it. There were nine matches on the night. Uh, Unfortunately, it was supposed to be, yeah, it was nine matches on the night because they added a second pre-show match uh, in place of the Knockouts World Tag Team Championship match that was supposed to take place, but unfortunately had to be removed uh, because the champions, the inspiration, pulled out of the event after they came into contact with the person who later tested positive for COVID-19. So out of an abundance of caution, they went into quarantine and isolation. So that match did not take place. All right, Hector, take care, brother. All right, um, Hector, so- take these men. We had, we're going to go through the two pre-show matches really quickly and give quick thoughts on those. So first we had Jake something go up against Madman Fulton. The match was 25 minutes and 25 seconds. It was fine. And Jake something got the victory. It might be looking like Jake something might be out the door pretty soon. They're not really doing much with him. They haven't been really doing much with him since he split from his, uh, from Diener when Diener joined Violent by Design. So I think Jake something's about to be out the door. And he might end up somewhere else. Who knows? And then the actual advertised pre-show match which saw the debut of speedball mike bailey uh going up against uh, speedball mike bailey ace austin chris bay and laredo kid with the speedball getting the victory uh in his debut the match went eight minutes and 10 seconds it was actually really good really showcased uh the x division with this match here so sith what were your thoughts on these two pre-show matches okay on the first one jake something made man fulton it was a decent kickoff match. <clears throat> the only drawback, though, note how Madman Fulton has been losing matches when Ace Austin's not involved, and he was on commentary at the time. Welcome to Impact Mike's Speedball Mike Bailey. Holy shit. <clears throat> this guy was electric. In that second match, the Fatal 4-Way, that guy was electric. Me and Champ are looking at this dude like, holy shit, where's this guy been? So this was great. Um, and per usual, I don't allow the kickoff matches to dictate my grade. But all in all, they they did their job. And I agree with Champ that it looks like Jake something. He's done out the door because, as Champ pointed out, ever since Diener, Cousin Diener, Flipped, turned heel, joined Violent by Design. Jake, something's just been there. Yeah, he's just been there, and um, it's a shame. He's not a bad. He's not a bad wrestler. It's he's just a good that wrestler. 
he, he's just nothing there for him. So I would, if he is out the door, then, you know, best wishes to him and everything like that. So we move on, and we open the show proper with the inaugural knockouts and ultimate X match to, to determine who would be the number one contender for the Impact Knockouts World Championship. And the match saw Tasha Steeles, Alicia Edwards, Chelsea Green, Jordan Grace, Lady Frost, and Rosemary compete. And the match was actually pretty good. Uh, I I like the fact that they didn't try to go all out with like too many outlandish spots to try to make it be like, oh, it's the first one. We got to go all out. They kept it kind of simple. There were quite a few high spots like Lady Frost on the top of one of the beams and just moonsaults on everybody and stuff like that. You know, Alicia Edwards with the, the Kindle stick, a la her husband, things like that. So the match was fair and it was a good way to, you know, Really build something up there, and in the end, Tasha Steeles would uh, secure the X and bring it down to become the number one contender to the Knockouts Championship. The match went nine minutes even. Uh, Sith, how did you like this match? Okay, Champ and I had our reservations about this match because of the solid work that usually comes out of Ultimate X. And as Champ said, we really didn't want them to pull out all the magic tricks. All in one match, and they did. Um, thank God for that. Um, this was a good way to open up the card. Solid action, good storytelling, and you know, it's a good shock ending because no one thought Tasha steals. So now she's going to be in line at least for a title run for a title match type run. So let's see what she can do with this. That's what I want to see. I agree. Tasha Steeles was not on my was not on my radar when I made my pick. I was absolutely wrong. Though Chelsea Green did have a hold of it as well, yes. but Steeles was able to bring it down and was able to secure it to become number one contender. So good on Tasha Steeles. I'm interested to see what kind of run she goes on. Next, we will have for the Impact X Division Championship, Trey Miguel defending against Steve Macklin, and the stipulation that if Macklin lost, he would no longer challenge for the title as long as Trey is champ. Excuse me, as Trey is champion, uh, we both picked Trey to, to retain here, and he would, but it wouldn't be easy. Before Trey could even get into the ring, Macklin came flying in like a missile and caught him with a tope out, outside. It was all over the place. They was flying everywhere. Trey even landed in someone's lap, and the girl was so happy about it. Uh, but in the end, Trey Miguel would hit the Meteora to get the pinfall victory at 12 minutes and 50 seconds to retain the championship. And now uh, Steve Macklin can no longer challenge for that championship as long as Trey is the champion. Seth, how did you like this match? Loved it. Because as Champ knows, as Mrs. Champ, as Whitney, as Hector, as a lot of our listeners know, I think the X Division is the most underrated secondary division in all of pro wrestling. And it's mainly because people don't pay attention to it. And this match is just absolutely awesome. Macklin, well, you're out of the title hand for now when it comes to the X Division for a while, but overall... This was funny and exciting. And then 
you know, this past Thursday, which we might get into, well, we probably might get into it, but just in case, uh, this past Thursday, he did make a challenge to Jonathan Gresham uh, for his Ring of Honor Pure Title, Ring of Honor World Championship. And that segues into his match that he had with Chris Saban, which he was able to retain the Ring of Honor World Championship under pure rules. This was an absolutely beautiful, beautiful masterpiece of technical wrestling art. Uh, it went 12 minutes and 40 seconds. You had a situation where both guys only had one rope break left to get out of a pin or a submission, and then they would be screwed. They would still have it in their back pocket. But in the end, Gresham was able to get a nice little roll-up pin to get the victory and then a show of respect with the hug and the code of honor, both be at the beginning and at the end of the match. You just can't ask for nothing more from a wrestling perspective in terms of a wrestling match. Sith, you, how do you feel about that? Sith, I mean, blah, 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 excuse me. Champ knows I love technical wrestling. So this match was on my radar for possibly match of the night because Ring of Honor, when it comes to their championship matches, it's based in technical wrestling. In Champ... I think even after April, you're going to see Ring of Honor take advantage of this forbidden door stuff, even more so. The chemistry was great between Gresham and Saban here, and this was a really, really good match. It was. It was again like it was like a masterpiece. It was like a work of art. The the the, the ebbs and flows of the match. The pure chain wrestling. The striking. Uh, the drama. Things like that. It, everything was rolled into this match, and it was absolutely amazing. Next, we would see Josh Alexander and Jonah hook up after Jonah, remember, made his debut in Impact, taking out Josh Alexander. Then he took him out again. The Impact before this pay, this uh, pay per view, and it looked like. I was really, really thinking that Jonah on his first pay-per-view match would win this one. But surprisingly, it was Josh Alexander who got the tap-out victory with the ankle lock after Jonah missed a top-rope moonsault uh, on the to Josh Alexander. He would then get locked into the ankle lock and would be forced to tap out to get the victory for Josh Alexander. So now Josh is building up some steam towards uh, a possible run at Moose and the World Championship again. But this one went to Josh Alexander. Hi, Judy. I love you. How are you? Sith, how, do you feel? how did you feel about this matchup? Ah, oh, this was awesome. Even though Jenna got the L here, he looked amazing against Alexander, who is still, and I'm going to keep saying this until people get the fucking point, Josh Alexander, the walking weapon, is one of the most underrated wrestlers in professional wrestling to day period, point blank. Yeah, no, that is absolute fact. This dude is a machine in the ring. He is a absolute machine. Appreciate you stopping in the show, love. Judy, I appreciate you. I see the Raiders game is not going so well. We just had Sage, our New Japan uh, analyst, who's also a Raiders fan on, and he was not happy about it at all, but it is what it is. All right. A friend of mine from high school who's probably not a happy camper right now, and I'm just sitting back. 
Uh, right, yeah. So, but that match, that singles match between Josh Alexander and Jonah went 17 minutes and five seconds. And next, we will have the 10 man hardcore war match, which basically played out like uh, war games in which two men started and then every couple, every three minutes, well, they started off for three minutes and then every 90 seconds, another member of each team came in. And in the end of, of that, where it was just nothing but chaos, weapons and more. Barbed wire, all kind of shit. A uh, uh, Kindle stick getting lit on fire. Like, it was some crazy shit. And it ended with Eddie Edwards, Rich Swan, Willie Mack, Heath, and Rhino being victorious. Heath and Rhino, like, Heath getting the final pinfall for them to defeat the Good Brothers and Violet by Design. The match was 23 minutes and 25 seconds. And you thought it would be over after that. Nope. It wasn't. Because as Sip mentioned earlier, that forbidden door has been swung open again because PCO, Vincent, uh, Matt Taven, Mike Bennett, and Maria Canales Bennett all came in there and destroyed those dudes, setting up a possible Ring of Honor invasion angle. Oh, my goodness, Sip. Your thoughts. Okay, first up to Mrs. Champ. I hope you feel better soon. Really sorry you're not feeling good. I had to get that out of the way because she just mentioned her migraine and everything in chat. But this was the other match where at measured expectations. Champ knew, all of you knew, there were two matches where I had measured expectations where, you know, those were going to de- be key determining factors of the great drops at all. This was not only a solid match, though, but that Ring of Honor invasion. Oh, my God. Me and Champ were like two kids on Christmas Day when that happened. Good shit here. Yeah, like I said, it's the combination of the wine and plus me not having followed Ring of Honor for a long time. I thought it was the king, whole kingdom thing, but then I had to, when I went back and looked at it again, I was like, wait. Matt Taven wasn't in a stable with them. It's just Ring of Honor guys that are coming in causing havoc. So yep. there you go. And then next we would get our, our a big shock because it was the Impact World Championship that was the semifinal of the night and not of the night and not the main event. It was the three-way between Moose, Matt Cardona, and W. Morrissey for the Impact World Championship. This match was very solid. It played off a lot of previous storylines of can Cardona win the big one. Also, the whole Chelsea Green thing that happened on Impact. Morrissey just being a big pissed-off New Yorker. And everything rolled together. (laughs) It was a really good matchup. In the end, though, Moose would still retain the Impact World Championship. And in the match went 16 minutes even, and there you go. Sith, your thoughts on the World Championship match? This was a really good triple threat match here between three solid competitors. We had several close calls where Moose would have lost. But at the end of the match, Moose pinned Cardona, but Matt Cardona still kept strong, though, because of the Chelsea Green involvement. Had to point that out. When Chelsea Green got involved, that was to protect Cardona and the loss. 
Yep, absolutely. But still a great, a great semi-main yes. event for uh, for the world title. And then we would get our main event, which was the Texas Death Match for the Impact Knockouts World Championship between Deanna Perrazzo and Mickey James. And the stipulation that was made earlier on in the night had Matt, in which if Matthew Raywall, who was at ringside, had interfered during the match, Perrazzo would would be disqualified and he would he would be fired. Listen, I don't know what these women were, tr- were were thinking, but my goodness, they went out there and absolutely killed each other. Yes. You had tables, you had chairs, you had Kindle sticks, you had thumbtacks, you had any and everything you could think of in a Texas death match. You had fights on the outside. You had Ray Wall actually picking Deanna Perazzo up. So she wouldn't she she would make the ten count, which technically is him interfering, but I guess they did I guess they meant him putting his hands on Mickey James. So I I get it. But yeah. all in all, it, it, this was a violent, violent affair. These two women went out there and absolutely killed it to close out the show. And I think it, it made it made so much sense given the fact it was off the heels of the announcement that Mickey James would be making would be a part of the Royal Women's Royal Rumble match coming up. So I guess it made sense that that match would be the one to close out the show. Sith, how did you feel about this main event? This was a fantastic main event with a lot of plot devices in hand, big time. And this was a Texas death match that shined hard, big time. Nothing bad to say about this match at all. And at the end of the day, Mickey James is still your knockouts champion. Yes, indeed. I just I love the 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 spots with the the with the thumbtacks. It's just. I don't know. Maybe that's just this side of me. Some some people are not fans of thumbtacks in these types of matches, but I'm, I actually like them, you know, because it adds a bit of like more violent tendencies to it, and it really the reactions that these the wrestlers get when they bump on them is just so crazy because you don't know how they're going to react because you don't know how painful that is. So, but. <laughs> Yeah, but that would be how the yeah. show would end with Mickey Jane standing tall as the Knockouts World Champion. And we come to the end. First and foremost are in our predictions. I did go six and two. I missed on Jonah versus Josh, and I missed on the Ultimate X uh, matchup. But as for my final grade, and I said it on the live stream, and I'll say it again, this was a solid A-plus pay-per-view. This pay-per-view delivered everything. There was not one match on here was just like, oh, this this sucked. Even the, the, John, even the Jake something Madman Fulton pre-show match, which came out of nowhere, was, was fair. It was just two big men going at it, and it was short. So it didn't go any longer for it to become a possibility of bringing the whole pay-per-view down. So my grade is an A+, plus, absolutely. This was a great way for Impact to begin their year pay-per-view-wise was with this card. And now they got to top it. So they kind of put themselves in a bit of a situation because this was a spectacular pay-per-view to start off, and they only hold like four like quarterly pay-per-views like AEW. So they got to top this. But it's an A-plus for me. Sith, your predictions, how did you do your predictions, and your final grade? I went 5-3 and three on my predictions. Um, I got Ultimate X wrong, got Jonah wrong, and if memory serves, I also got another one wrong. Yeah, Speedball Bailey, um, Fatal 4-Way in the pre, got that one wrong too. Look, I knew that if the two matches had reservations about, 
delivered in a good way. This would be a major step in the great big time, and it did deliver. A-plus here, and honestly, brought me back to how pay-per-views were back in the day before we had three-plus hours, where your main card starts at 8, ends at around 10.50, 10.55, and at 11, you get your free replay. Good stuff here. Rebellion, what's going to help Rebellion out? Chambez vs. Rich is about Rebellion. What's going to help out Rebellion is that it's padded with two Impact Plus specials in the middle of it, between it. And that'll help simmer down the expectations so we get a full thing going for Rebellion. Yeah, I like I said, they, they got they – got, that's a hard – act to follow with that it is. being your first pay-per-view of 2022 and you just bust out performances like that it's definitely going to be something they're going to have to try to either match or try to beat but we'll see what happens so yeah. that's it for our recap of impact wrestling's hard to kill now it's time to talk about the week in wrestling and it's been a nice little busy week this week. Uh, of course, Raw and SmackDown are building towards the Royal Rumble. Uh, AEW is building towards uh, Revolution. Uh, they had the Battle of the Belts uh, last Saturday, which I'll touch on uh, pretty quickly after we talk about Monday Night Raw. I'll pull up the results of that. We'll touch on that really quickly. We didn't include that in this week, I don't think. No. Okay. So... We'll touch on that quickly after Monday Night Raw before we get into Dark Elevation. Uh, of course, we're going to talk about Dark Elevation and Dark this week, which both had supersized shows for the most part. Uh, also, Dynamite, which saw a couple title match, which saw a title match and a debut, uh, which was off the chain. Uh, also, of course, we'll go across the pond because, uh, as you'll see in the video for the NXT UK report, a, a long-standing member of that roster had its his final match in NXT UK. So we'll talk so Sith will outline that. that uh, I do too. But Sith will outline that in his report uh, as well as we'll look at impact and the fallout from Hard to Kill. And then we'll look also at Rampage which saw uh a chat we saw the tag titles on the line uh, and the main event. Alright so this week this week, the Sith Lord will be leading the way and giving his five bits from each show, and I will be giving rapid-fire answers with some couple, some little thoughts thrown in there depending on the, the situation. So I yield the floor to the Sith Lord to begin our night with Monday Night Raw. Okay, let me lead off by saying Raw is still consistently average. I'm going to start by saying that. Now, champ. We opened up the show with sowing the seeds for a match at the Royal Rumble between Brock Lesnar, Big Bobby Lashley, two bohemians that for over a decade fans have been clamoring to see in the ring. So they had a promo segment to start off Raw this week. Do you push or bury? Uh, first off, what's up, HPC? How you doing, my guy? Second, I'm pushing this because simply this. Knock, knock. Who's there? Bobby. Bobby who? Exactly. Get shit on! <laughs> Can't okay. have one reservation, though. What's that? 
What did we shit on a year ago? I'd say this coming March. Ah, uh, you know, I the don't remember that far back. Right, we did. And then they broke them up again. Again, you know, I, I'm pushing this segment, y'all. But I hate the fact that we're throwing away the hurt business again. Yeah, I'm 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 very sad by that that they did that, and then they tried to come out and attack Bobby, and Bobby just absolutely beat the shit out of him. I yeah. thought this was just like, come on, man, why are we doing this? But yeah, I pushed the segment; it was really good. It's yeah. really good to sow the seeds, honestly. Now, I'm pairing these two things together here, folks. And Steve Frosty, RK Bro had their typical odd couple backstage segment, but then. They had a match against the Alpha Academy for the Raw Tag Team Championships. So, champ, our keeper backstage, plus her match against the Alpha Academy. Do you push your Barry? Put I push this. Uh, very shocking result, but very deserved, especially for Otis and for Chad Gable. Chad Gable is a former tag champion already, but for Otis, this is very deserving. He went through an entire character change, and the character change actually worked, and now he's a champion. RK Bro is about to break up, and that's going to make me sad, but it's, inevi- it's, it's inevitable. You know they're not going to last forever. Riddle's going to go off and do his thing. Randy's going to go off and do his thing. So yep. this base is going to sow those seeds right there, but push. Yep, I push as well. But I have confusion, though. After all the yells South Academy has taken of late, they went gold. Right. That's my only reservation about it. But the other side of the coin is you weren't going to have the Street Profits beat them, beat RK Bro for the titles. So it makes sense to have Alpha Academy give them some gold. Then eventually, after like WrestleMania backlash. So the seeds for the street profits to come back in. Yeah, I agree with that. Push. I like, yeah, you definitely push. What's the next one? Seth friggin Rollins. Not only had a lit promo, but then a match against big E as well. And you know, not much has to be said about Rollins on the mic. He's awesome. But champ, Seth freaking Rollins, promo plus Magikin's Big E, push your berry. Definitely push. If Out of all the character iterations of Seth, of Seth Rollins, I'm liking Seth freaking Rollins more than any of the other ones, honestly. Because he's got, he's got wild drip. He's got wild drip, and his promos are, like, lit. And his match with Big E was fucking fire. So I'm pushing this. I'm pushing as well. Although that laugh, though. You know, last week in the basement, I mentioned Leprechaun Returns with that shitty laugh. That's what that laugh reminded me of. I'm like, oh, my God. But guess what? He's playing the heel. So he's meant to get on your fucking nerves. Exactly. Exactly. The only bad thing I've got to say about the match itself is I've got this sinking feeling about Big E right now. And I don't a lot like of people it. do. A lot of people do. It seems like he's losing favor after having a good, a pretty good run with the WWE Championship. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't like it either. And then we go into controversial territory here. We had a segment with Rhea Ripley and Nikki ASH. 
And this is the end of the team. In a shocking heel turn. Champ, do you push your berry? Uh... I'm going to do something different. I'm not I'm just going to leave it where it is. I'm not going to push it or bury it because how are you going to have a superhero gimmick and be a bad person? Like I don't get it. That just no. But I will say that was a that was a great swerve because under all of this, I honestly thought it would be Rhea, I mean Rhea Ripley's nickname is the nightmare for Christ's sake. Yes. So all signs pointed to Rhea being the one to drop her because Nikki was the weak link. So for Nikki to be the one to attack, that's a great swerve, but not great enough for me to either to I, to push it, but not bad enough to bury it. So I'm just leaving it where it is. I'm giving this the smallest push of the week, champ. You want to know why? Why? I'm hoping we get the wild and crazy Nikki Cross back. The superhero gimmick has failed. It has failed. Fair, fair, fair. I wouldn't say it's failed. I just, I just will say that it didn't succeed the way it I think she envisioned. It was a good idea, but the problem is that you give good ideas to creative. Unless you take total control and get released, you get fucked over. Not a big fail, though. HBC. Holy shit! <laughs> I wouldn't say it was a big fail. I just, Damn. I just feel like it wasn't. I just, just, I just feel like it didn't succeed the way that it, they envisioned, honestly. Facts. And I think when, when it first came out, when she first came out with the gimmick, and she got some big pops. She won the Money in the Bank. She won the women's title on Raw. But there were a lot of reports saying that at house shows she wasn't getting any reactions. So I think that's where it kind of started to fall, fall like go downhill when she on the road when they were on the road she wasn't getting reactions then it translated to TV where she was barely getting reactions uh, on TV and then they paired it with Rhea and they started to get some reactions but I guess it wasn't enough for them and I guess it is what it is alright what's the next bit and finally we had a triple threat main event to become the number one contender to Becky Lynch between Liv Morgan, Bianca Belair, and I'm not using that sucky ass name. Her name is Piper Nevin. God damn it, Champ! Do you push your berry? This gets the this gets a big push from me. I mean, these three women absolutely stole the show once again. Women main eventing Raw, they go out and they deliver. I mean, look at Trish and Lita when they did it, and then Becky and Liv, and now this. And Piper Nevin, absolutely, uh, Piper Nevin getting the victory was like that came out of fucking nowhere, dude. Like I never would have imagined that we would get a Piper Nevin, Becky Lynch, two Irish girls going at it for the Raw Women's Championship at the Royal Rumble. Like what? Like I'll, I'll take it. I'll absolutely take it. And then I think Dewdrop. Drop. Paper Nevin actually went out on social media and or and somewhere and said that Vince actually loved absolutely loved her the match that match and you know Vince doesn't like a lot of shit so for him to give them big praise should show you how good the match was big push for me yeah big push here as well and I still think this sets up for one of two people to win the women's Royal Rumble Bianca Belair or returning Oscar. Absolutely. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. One other thing I did want to make mention, though, is AJ Styles and Austin Theory. I feel like they got cheated. 
because they didn't get a lot of time. I think they could have put on a bang of a match, but they didn't get a lot of time and fucking Grayson Waller got involved. I think they got cheated. I actually had that on my list, and I was going to slightly bury it because they didn't give him enough time, and then they had a, a, a disqualification finish for two guys mm-hmm. who could go out there and absolutely put on a good 10-minute television match. So that's it. That's all I got for Raw. But that was like a you major said, bury for me because, as you just said, these are guys could two guys that can put on a 15-minute match easily, and it would be one hell of a banger. And instead, it's like about five minutes in a DQ finish, and it's just like, why? Just to set up the, a main event for NXT tomorrow night? Get fucked. Yeah, but that's Raw in a nutshell. Like you said, it's consistently average, and this week was pretty average at best. Like I said the best parts of it was the tag team title match where we had new champions and then the, the main event, which was a banger and Biggie and Seth being a banger. And then the way the show opened with the two guys facing off of the WWE championship, it was, it was average, but you had some, some bright spots. Yeah. Yep. All right. Now, before we move on to dark elevation, like I said, we didn't include it in the weekend review. It did happen on Saturday last week, but AEW did have its first ever battle of the belts event. Uh, the first of their f- four quarterly battle of the belts show, uh, specials, which is supposed to be their version of the clash of champions. I was expected to be like a two hour thing with all, all, if not all, most of the belts being on the line. Instead, we got a one hour show with yeah. only like three belts on the line. So I was kind of a little bit disappointed in that, but here's what happened. You had, uh, of course, the TNT Championship became the interim TNT Championship match because of the COVID-19 positive test for Cody, uh, Cody Rose. So it was Dustin and Sammy, and they absolutely beat the hell out of each other. The Canadian Destroyer through the table. Dustin Rose is too old to be doing that shit. <laughs> what the fuck? But in the end, Sammy did win, and he would uh, become the interim AEW TNT Champion. It went 16 minutes, 15 seconds. Uh, Ricky Starks and Matt Seidel went at it for the FTW World Championship. Ricky Starks won with the Rochambeau, went nine minutes even. And then in the main event for the AEW Women's World Championship, Dr. Britt Baker, DM. D would retain over Riho. It looked real dicey for the doctor, though. It looked like a bunch of times where she should have lost that match. Uh, but in the end, she would finally lock, put in the lockjaw, and Riho would tap out, and Britt Baker would retain. And then her and Hater would hug at the end of the match. There have been some tension between those two. I feel like that's they're going to break up pretty soon, but they, they're holding off on that. All right. So that was Battle of the Belts. The next one will be coming down the line somewhere soon. We'll figure, find out when. But also, yeah, AEW Dark Elevation, Sith, what we got? Okay. First up, champ, I do believe I have run times first for those shows. Oh, let me look those up while you get I have button. them right here. Whoa. I can get them right now. Well, then let me cue up the music then because it's time to find out how long Dark and Dark Elevation was because it is our stat of the day. Okay, folks, AEW Dark Elevation this week had 10 matches and had a runtime of 47 minutes in 23 seconds. AEW Dark had over 90 minutes of action at an hour and 42 minutes. That's that means, 
that means almost three hours yes. of dark action this week on Dark and Dark Elevation. And that is your stat of the day, ladies and gentlemen. Stat of the day! Stat of the day! Actually, doing the map, that's over three hours of action from Dark and Dark Elevation. Holy yep. shit. That's 180. Wow. Holy shit, dude. Like, these. Wow. Very impressive. impressive. Very impressive. No, All wait, right. Well, we, 140, 40. No, it's about two hours and 20 minutes. But still, two hours and 20 minutes, but that's still a lot, dude. That's that is still a, a lot. lot. And when All we right, factor we, that in, and on top of that, we did a pay per view. On top of the rest of the wrestling, not including New Japan and NWA and other stuff, we put in a lot of wrestling this week. But anyway, back to Monday night, Dark Elevation. We opened the night with a tag team matchup with Jay Lethal teaming up with Sonny Kiss, taking on Jaden Valo and Chris Steeler. Champ, what was your thought? I push this. I like that tag team. They're, they're, both of them are Jersey, are Jersey uh, born and bred. So mm-hmm. they worked well together, and it turned out to be a very good match. I always enjoy and I always love seeing Jay Lethal hit that lethal, that, uh, lethal injection finishing yes. maneuver. It's so amazing. And for him to be with the miles on him that he has and stuff like that, to still be able to pull that off is amazing. Push. Uh, push easily. And it's also good to see Sonny Kiss work. With someone of the pedigree of a Jay Lethal. Absolutely. That's a I big... I mean, my God. Jay Lethal's been in the business for, I think, 20 fucking years. Push. Yeah. That's a big, that's a big rub for, for Sonny Kiss. Uh, it is. A big, big rub for him. Major for rub. Okay. Also in the tag team division, Pat Brink and Miles Hawkins had the honor, dubious one, of facing off against FTR of the Pinnacle champ, Team Pusher Barry. I push this because you can see the inexperience in these two guys that they fell for a shoulder injury from fucking Dax Dax Harwood, and they got sucked right in into the the big rig and lost. Hey, kids, listen, that's, that's that's beautifully done heel work by a very accomplished heel tag team. Push. A big fancy push. And on top of that, Brinks and Hawkins could use more of these matches to build themselves up. So there you get right there. Um, QT Marshall was in action this week on Dark Elevation. Zach Clayton was a, is a opposition champ. He pushed a bearing. Uh, I'm pushing this one. I mean, QT is a very solid competitor, and he kind of got a bit of a fight out of his opponent this week, but in the end, it was QT that was the victor. You push. Oh, but did you notice something, though? Clayton made a rookie mistake, allowing the crowd to distract him. Yeah, and he can't do that. You can't do that in wrestling. You can't. Oh, my God. I mean, he's soaking up the crowd, and QT just nails him. I got it. Got to think better than that, but yeah, you definitely push. In tag team competition, the acclaimed took on Kevin Matthews and Joey Ace. And of course, we had one hell of a diss track. Champ, you push your berry. Push, you push this. Again, the acclaimed are the number one ranked tag team in AEW. So these are matches that they do not lose and should not lose. Um, 
the diss track was okay. Like I said, ever since that controversial one he had, some of his diss tracks have been very, very mild. Uh, because I guess you know, want to avoid getting into trouble. Though he's had some fire, he's had some fire ones, but this oh, yeah. one was okay. But the match itself was fine. Again, they're the number one ranked tag team. They don't win. They don't lose these. Push. Yep, you push. This this track was good, but it wasn't as good as some of the fire ones he's had since being taken off for the controversial one. And that's all I'm going to say of that. And the match was decent, so yeah, push. And in our main event, we had a trios match involving Private Party and Blade of the Party Family Office taking on 10 Alex Reynolds and Johnny Hungy Silver of the Dark Order. Champ, you push your berry. Oh, you definitely pushed this. This was a really fun main event. And this war between the Dark Order and uh, the Hardy family office has been... It's a long... This has been a long rivalry, but... Unlike most long rivalries, it still hasn't really gotten stale because you have so many different iterations of teams that you could put in there and they can do something with it. And it's it's really been fun to watch. And I'm, you know, I'm glad to to, to have something like this. And I have I have fun watching it. I, I like the fact that HFO tried to attack at the end, but they still ended up losing, which was the right result given that Silver and Reynolds would be challenging for the tag team championships later on in the week. The last thing you want is for them to lose on dark elevation and then say, hey, we want a title shot. So the right team won, and there we go. So you push. Yeah, you push. Really good main event here. And the cool thing is that HFO and the Dark Order can have all these intertwining stories and still have fun involving good matches, good chemistry and storytelling. We're good here. And now we segue over to Tuesday nights and AEW Dark, where we had a total, checking here on my computer, 14 matches in the supersized version of Dark. And we came out in match number two with Anthony Agogo of the Factory taking on Baron Black. Champ, do you push your berry? Push this. Uh, a Gogo has definitely made the transition from wrestling to from boxing to wrestling, and has been fine, has been really good with it. Baron Black is a good man to go up against. He hits hard, but a Gogo hits harder. Definitely push this one. Hey, sunshine. I see Fall Guys is going well. <laughs> Sorry. Now I'm modding her chat, and she's playing Fall Guys with uh, with a friend, and it's going swimmingly. Oh, wink, wink, okay. nudge, nudge, wink, um, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> you definitely push, and you push it definitely because it gave you more of a look into Anthony Agogo in wrestling, and you should not be complaining about it at all. Definitely, you push. Yep. You're on in the night. <laughs> you had Orange Cassidy taking on JD Drake in singles competition, which kind of in my view jump started the card a bit, champ. You push your berry. Uh, you push. Uh, this was this was a fun match, you know, because you got JD Drake. He's a serious, serious guy going up against uh, Orange Cassidy, who just doesn't give a shit. But <laughs> you know. it still worked. It still worked. It still worked. It, I had fun watching it. Uh, the right person won, of course. Orange Cassidy hitting the orange punch to get the victory. Got to push. 
Yeah, you got to push this major hard-fought match. And as I said, it jump-started the card a bit. Moving yes. on, Eddie Kingston took on the bad boy Joey Janela. Ooh, champ, you push your banger. I'm definitely pushing this one. This... I, I like I love Eddie Kingston. I just love the type of person that he is. He's got he's lived a hard knock life. He's been grinding in wrestling in the Indies. Now he's on the he's on the big stage. He's on the big screen, and he's putting on really quality matches. Joey Janela just ended up being on the wrong side of having to face him. Um, and I'm wondering if and when Kayla Rossi is going to actually wrestle in the women's division because that girl pulls off a hell of a moonsault. Let me tell you. Uh, but in the end, Eddie Kingston got the victory. Good on him. Push. Yeah, definitely push. Really good match here. That was noteworthy. As one of the guys is vets Indies and came out and showed up for the good thing. Or absolutely push. What's next? Uh, Jurassic Express taking on QT Marshall and Nick Camarado in tag team competition as our new tag aw tag team champions took on two members of the factory champion pusher barry you push this this was a huge episode of dark not only because it went almost two hours but you had recently new newly crowned champions wrestle on it and you even had the world champion wrestle on this show for the first time ever if I can remember, recall correctly, the world champion wrestling on Dark. I think I think Moxie may have had a match on Dark when he was world champion. I don't know. But I feel like this is the first time ever that an AEW world champion wrestled on Dark. But this match was good. This was a, a chance for the factory to become contenders for the titles. They ended up falling short. But there you go. I, I push. You put... You give it a push, absolutely. This was a good match here. And it's good to see the new champs get strong competition by coming on the dark and going up against competition that isn't the acclaimed, but still really good. In segueing to what Champ mentioned, in our main event, we had Tenlin and Allen Five Angels teaming with the AEW World Champion Hangman Adam Page versus Matt Hardy. Isaiah Cassidy and Serpentico. If Serpentico had gotten the pin, according to social media, Matt Hardy was going to get Serpentico in the HFO, but it did not work. Champ, do you push your berry? Absolutely, you push this. This was a great main event. I had so much fun watching this one. Serpentico had his little entrance, and he just looked so... He looked so out of place with the HFO and everything like that. It was so funny. But it was also funny when he ended up being the last person standing and he went up on the top rope and he was like, what do I do here? And he just said, fuck it. It just jumped off and just got the shit kicked out of him. But I think the right person got the win here, which was Hangman Page getting the buckshot Larry. Because, again, you want to build him up for his next uh, challenger, which we would later find out who that is on Dynamite. But, again, I, I had fun. I had fun watching this. This is great. Push. Absolutely push. And you push for a big reason here. And that's not only the six people, but also the fact that your AEW world champion is actually going on YouTube here. On dark or dark elevation, because you rarely get that. You'll get 
your women's champions from time to time. You'll get your tag team champions from time to time. It's rare when you get the AEW World Champion on Darker Dark Elevation. Right. That's 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 true. I'm trying to look up to see if any other world champions actually competed on Dark. I know I think I know Sheeta did make a couple of appearances when Sheeta she was did. women's world cha- champion, but I don't think any I don't think any men's world champions have made an appearance so. as the champion. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. Anyway, we keep going over Tuesday nights. Now we move over to NXT, or as I call, Raw Light, um, <laughs> which has its ups and downs. But in singles competition, we had Santos Escobar taking on Zion Quinn. You push your berry, champ. Who didn't see this coming? That she was not going to run with with Zion Quinn. So I pushed this because you saw it coming a mile away, but they still made it enough so that there was that small slither of doubt, the small slither there that she could leave Legato Del Fantasmo and be running with Zion Quinn. But in the end, she's more needed in Legato Del Fantasmo than being a manager to Zion Quinn. So you push. It It was a good match also, by the way. Yep, good match indeed. And... Santos Escobar, please do not go to the main roster. Please. Got a bad feeling if he does. Right. Later on in the night, Harland and Joe Gacy took on Indris Inofi and Malik Blade. And they also had a promo pre and post-match champ. You push a berry. Uh, just like I did earlier in Raw, I'm just leaving it where it is. Honestly, just <laughs> like what are are we are we are we just building Harlan to just be someone who only can be controlled by Joe Gacy? So that if Joe Gacy's not intervening, he's just gonna go nuts. If that's what we're doing, okay. But I just find this to be a very weird result that they said oh they've allowed us to be in a tag team in the dusty cup and then you go in and in your first match you lose by disqualification and whatever yeah. so a team that'll probably lose in the next round unless they're going to be the cinderella team or something like that but it was not enough it was it wasn't good enough to push but it wasn't bad enough to bury so i'm just leaving it where it is i'm giving it stay in mid card it stay in mid card i'm giving this a bury because eventually Gacy's going to have a face turn because Harlan's had enough of his bullshit and he's going to turn monster heel on him. Right, right. Um, yeah, so agree. I'm giving this a Barry because I can see this happening a mile away. This is the problem when you have Bruce Pritchard running your show. You can see shit coming a mile away. It's embarrassing. And I wonder who came up with this idea. Crowbar on a pole match. Pete Dunn, the bruiserweight, taking taking on Tony D'Angelo. Champ, you're pushing or burying. I'm actually pushing this because I like this. Because guess what? Now it's even one-to-one, right? Yep. Dunn got his victory, and then he had his hand broke. So then they had the crowbar. Now, the idea of it was very, very stupid. By the way, Shreddy, how are you? I love you. I had fun with Among Us last night. Uh, but the, the idea of the match and how it played out was kind of dumb. 
But the end result gives us a chance for this rivalry to grow a little bit more and give us one more match. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm giving it a push. It's not a big push, but it's a push nonetheless. I actually enjoyed the match for how stupid it was. I, I still enjoyed it. So that that's just me. Yeah, I'm giving this a push, but a very small one at best. Um, I mean, it's meant to put Tony over in a sense against a wrestler that is definitely one of the best technical submission specialists in professional wrestling in peak time. So it gets a small push. Fair. In the women's division, we had a trios match. When Wendy Chu, Indy Hartwell, and Persia Piarda took on Amari Miller, Casey Contessaro, and Caden Carter champ, you pushed your berry. Uh, I'm giving this a small push. Wendy Chu was funny. She was definitely funny. And she's so she has this perky personality for someone who sleeps all the time. Drench! My man Drench just came in hot and just subbed to the channel out of nowhere. I appreciate you, my guy. Thank you so wow. much. Let's, let's go. Um, let's go, Drench. When, but Wendy, Wendy, to me, was the star of this because you didn't know what to expect from her because all you seen her do is sleep, and she literally was out there in her pajamas. But she was absolutely really – she really, like, impressed me. So I'm giving this a push. This was good. I'm giving it a cautious push because I have to stress again. WWE and women's tag team wrestling are like oil and water. They don't mix. They don't. Drench, you sexy. Appreciate you, man. All right, what's the next bit? All right, and my final bit for this show, NXT. In the main event, AJ Styles took on Grayson Waller in our main event this week for NXT 2.0. Champ, you push your berry. Including the post-match. This is another big push of the night here. Like I said, you give two guys who can wrestle enough time, and they will absolutely steal the show. And AJ and Grayson went out there and did just that. The match was amazing. The post-match was hilarious because Grayson Waller loses, and he's sitting outside, and he said, since I'm going leaving NXT, I brought a friend of mine to come back and, and talk to you. And he guess who it was? Let me talk to you! It was my man, L. A night, newly baby face LA night, but he's still gonna be awesome on the mic, even as a baby face. I can't wait, it's gonna be awesome. Big push. This is the second big push of the night. Yeah, definitely a big push here. Um it's about what I expected because I expect to see AJ basically tell Grayson, hey kid, show me what you got. And this could be a good thing for NXT as a test to see the 2.0 people are improving. You bring in somebody for Raw or SmackDown for a match that's a tenured vet, just see how they're coming along. Because if the edict is rumored correct, and you're only given 60 days, AG Styles is a good litmus test. You could bring a couple of other litmus tests into Orlando to test these people out to make sure they got it. And post-match was late. That's all I'm going to yeah. say. But now we go to Wednesday night in AEW Dino Mind, where we had an opening segment that was extremely intriguing because you have to ask yourself, Fish, O'Reilly, and Cole, 
could they possibly break off of the elite eventually? And you had Dr. Brett Baker coming in? Champ, this opening segment, you push or bury. Push. I like the fact that they're taking the real-life couple of Adam Cole and Britt Baker and putting them on TV. They look so fucking cute together. It's just, it's so, it's sickening almost. Not, not, it's not sickening. Don't, 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 yeah. Uh, but no, this is a good opening segment, and it really, like, breeds the story of who, like, where does Adam Cole's loyalties really lie? Do they lie yes. with the elite and with the Young Bucks, or do they lie with Red Dragon? So, where does he go? But it's interesting. It's an interesting one. The best friends got involved in there. That rivalry between the best friends and the elite is still some. It's very captivating stuff. So yes. you push. Absolutely, you push. Fun way to open the show, and it's a question being built: Red Dragon or the Elite? You have Britt Baker joining the Elite publicly. A lot of depth. Really good stories. All in all, you're good here. Wow. After that, though, we had a very intriguing matchup between Wardlow and CM Punk and a post-match which strips in more seeds. So, Champ, Wardlow versus CM Punk plus the post-match. Do you push your Barry? You push. Wardlow's leaving the pinnacle by, by mid-2022. Bank on it. If not before then, it's happening. And this was these were the most most seeds they they planted with this breakup since 2020. Honestly, yes. um, so honestly, the match was the match was what you would expect. Wardlow is the powerhouse. He's just gonna just throw him around. CM Punk being the you know the veteran that's still trying to get his sea legs under him in matches was you know he got battered and battered, but still somehow with as a, the veteran that he is was found found a way to win. And then again, the post match with MJF kind of like getting Warlow's face, and then Warlow finally somewhat trying to stand up for himself. But then Sean Spills, his a, a, a accountability buddy, accountability buddy, came in and kind of slowed things down. And so again, they're they're really inching closer and closer and closer to Warlow finally breaking off from MJF, which I think he, he can do it honestly. But overall oh, push. He will. Yeah, absolutely, you push. Um, good match. And the best thing is not only did CM Punk win after getting destroyed by Wardlow, but the match and post-match all make perfect sense. That face turn will happen either the week of my birthday or right before Revolution. But Wardlow turning face is coming very quickly it's coming I, I think they're going to slow burn it out a little bit more honestly yeah. but you could be on to something that it might happen a little quicker but I feel as they're going to slow burn it some more so that it makes some more of an impact yep and shout out to Drench how you doing man you're also amazing anyway yeah, absolutely. then we had a segment involving our AEW world champion Hangman Adam Page where he interacted with Dan Lambert but then we had the return of the murder hawk, Lance Archer, champ. You push your berry. This gets a push. We haven't seen Lance Archer since that scary incident where he did the moonsault and landed on his head. He'd been gone for a while. And 
Now he's come back, and you thought he was coming back to get after Lambert because he did it before, but then suddenly he goes after the world champion. It's like, oh, so this is what we're doing. Oh, you know what? I'm cool with it. Let's go. This should be an interesting buildup. I would assume this match will, be, will, will most likely happen either on a Dynamite prior to Revolution or Revolution. With Revolution being in March, I think they pulled this off on a Dynamite somewhere down the line before Revolution because they'll probably set up another challenger for Revolution. But I'm happy that Lance Archer is going to get a shot at the world title, so push. Definitely deserved shot for Archer. And, oh, man, you know what this means now that he's a heel champ? You know what this means? Every time he appears on Dark and Dark Elevation, he's going to beat the piss out of somebody on the way to the ring and just Pretty throw him in there. Pretty much. Yep. But yeah, moving on. Then we had one hell of a banger between Matt Hardy and Penta El Zero Miedo. Plus, oh boy, the post-match camp. You push your berry. Oh, you absolutely push this because the big man, big bad Brody King is all elite, baby. And he's part of the House of Black. Listen, the match between Penta and, and Matt was pretty good. Penta got the victory, and that was good because it set up for him to call out Aleister Black. And then next thing you know, Black comes out, goes after him. Then the Varsity Blondes come out and have to deal with that. And then that's when Big Bad Brody King comes in. I was a little confused. I kind of I have a sense of something. Because Julia Hart, as the Varsity Blondes and Penta were beating down, uh, Alice was beating down Malachi Black, she was telling them, stop, that's enough, that's enough. I think Julia Hart's about to become a part of the House of Black. Who told you that? And he said, no way, dog. I did say no way until that shit happened. And I'm like, you know what? You might be right. If that happens, I would rather be known for that than my prediction that's in our clips. That's all I'm going to say about that. Get shit on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, but, but no, no I push that. Because the match was good. Okay. Um, with Ray Phoenix out for now, this was still a solid matchup, but post-match, holy fucking shit, it's Brody fucking King. I was like, oh, fuck. Ah. Brody King, baby, let's go. He, he, business picked up big time with that. Um, honorable mention, before I go any further, Hikaru Shida versus Serena Deeb. Um, they had to write off Sheeta for the time being because of injury. So I gave that a push as an honorable mention because it was just a really good match. Yeah, I, I really like the, the, the direction that the professor Serena Deeb is going. She's more vicious and more evil and heelish. I like that a lot. And my other honor, my honorable mention is Dante Martin Powerhouse Hobbs with the involvement of Jay Lethal, which is leading to what we're going to get pretty soon, which is Lethal versus Ricky Starks. Can y'all take my money, please? Thank you. Okay. Yeah. That was actually my fourth mention, which is your honorable mention. I'm giving that a push, Hobbs versus Dante Martin plus the post-match, because the story has been really good. Okay, um, but it has so many possible wrinkles in time as well. The match was fun, the heel tactics, and Jay Lethal coming out at the end, and then the post match. 
oh my god absolutely you push yep absolutely you push i loved it i loved it a lot so but dynamite dynamite was pretty solid this yeah, week a lot of one what's what, what's the other one the main event sammy guevara versus daniel garcia what a main event here Champ. oh yes daddy does he call it or does he call it I put I'm, this is the third big push of the night. Oh my lord, these two guys, man! What in the fuck? <laughs> this, this is TV. Just... Why are y'all wrestling like y'all are on a pay per view? <laughs> like what the fuck? Nah, this is a good. This is a really good main event. I had so much fun watching this main event, dude. Like you know, awesome, absolutely push, big push, third big push of the night. I want to yeah. see this at Revolution. Because as well, Chief just said. This is a pay-per-view quality match as your main event. Listen, man. Jesus. Okay. Thursday, we go overseas, of course. We go across the pond to the the waters of NXT UK. And in the report this week, we had the second part of the number one contenders tournament semifinal. Between Jack Stars and Dave Master taking on Tailman and Rohan Raja of Di Familia. The one in that one, you'll find out here. A male took on Stevie Turner this week in the women's division. Who came out on top, you'll find out here. And reluctantly, we have to have a discussion after this because Walter had his last stand against Nathan Frazier as he is departing for NXT 2.0. How did that turn out? You'll find out here. And also, um, what happens when Pretty Deadly complains to Sid Scala about Sam Gragwell? Find about all this and more in the NXT UK report right here right now hello friends and welcome to your nxt uk report for this week we open the show this week with dave thumalia's tail man and rohan raja taking on jack stars and dave mastiff in this other the second semi-final match for the number one contenders tournament for the nxt uk tag team championships this was a hard-hitting affair between these two teams towards the end Gallows came to ringside when Charlie Dempsey interfered in the match, getting Jack Stars off the ring apron. At the end of the night, it was Stars and Mastiff on top after Mastiff nailed a suplex on Raja and got the pen. After the match, Dave Familia and Gallows continued to brawl. Jack Stars and Dave Mastiff will be taking on Ashton Smith and Oliver Carter in the finals for the number one contenders for the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, Mustache Mountain. In two weeks, the Irish Ace, Jordan Devlin, will take on NXT UK Champion, Ilya Dragunov. We went to the women's division next, as the French hope a male went up against the futuristic wrestler Stevie Turner with the fashionista Jenny on commentary. This came out of an encounter last week in the U- NXT UK Performance Center where Stevie Turner insulted a male and a male snapped. 
This was a solid clash between two great young talents, and the fashionista Jenny was full of herself, basically. At the end of the match, it was a male on top after hitting the hope breaker. Sid Scala, the assistant to NXT UK GM Johnny Saint, had a visit from Pretty Deadly earlier this week, and they complained about their treatment at the hands of Sam Bradwell. So what does Sid Scala do? He makes the match for next week. Pretty Deadly versus Sam Gradwell and a partner of his choosing. A-Kid and Noam Dar talked about their past encounters as well as looking forward to their match next week as Noam Dar is putting the NXT UK Heritage Cup on the line. Jenny interrupted a male's backstage interview after her match and the story between these two ladies is about to come to a head. And in our main event, it was Walter's last stand as Walter took on Nathan Frazier as Walter has now moved on to NXT 2.0. Walter and Frazier had one hell of a fight together. And not only did Walter show his ring veteranship and Frazier had a never say die attitude. However, there can only be one winner at the end. And at the end of the night, it was Walter on top after hitting the power bomb after taking out Frazier's right leg on the top rope. The fans sent out Walter chanting his name after the match. And that is your NXT UK report for this week. That report was so long, it made it to the end of the song. That's how long that report was. But thank you to Sif for that NXT UK report from the basement this week. Uh, first, we got to talk about that main event. My goodness, Nathan Frazier is definitely one of the future pillars of NXT UK, the former Ben Carter. That kid absolutely took to t took fucking Walter to task and really took the fight to Walter in his uh, farewell match in NXT UK. Absolutely an amazing performance from Nathan Frazier. Uh, Walter, I, I hope, I hope and I pray that he goes to 2.0 and he doesn't just get lost in the shuffle because he's a big man who hits hard and just absolutely puts on banging matches. That's a man that should not be lost in the shuffle. That's a man that should be at the forefront of that uh, of that brand, honestly. And Sip, we'll get your thoughts on that because I know you said you wanted to have a discussion on that. We'll get your thoughts in just a bit. I find it so crazy, though, that Amel... Amel had that package that made everybody all emotional, but then she came out and people still booed her. I was like, I was so confused by that. Like, I was so confused. Like, maybe maybe they taped that before they, the vignette came out, and so that's what happened. I don't know, but it was just so confusing that Amel had this very heartwarming story of her struggles, and it made people sympathize with her. And She's saying all the positive feedback, but then she comes out to the ring, and they boot the shit out of her. <laughs> Like, yeah. I was so confused. And they booed Stevie Turner, too. I was, like, confused. Like, wait, who? What? Like, I was so confused. UK fans confused me. Confused me on that one. But the match was solid. And um, Jenny, 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 listen, you about to get punched in the mouth, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> you about to get punched in the mouth, bitch. You about to get punched in the mouth, bitch. Get ready for it. Yep. <laughs> anyway, but that was, that was solid. And 
the tag match was was pretty good too. Again, NXT UK has a very underrated tag team division. I like this team of of stars and uh, of Mastiff and stars. I like this team. It's such a unique team because you have the big man, the bomber, and then you have the little man that's like very unpredictable and Jack Stars. So I like that team. Unfortunately for like La Fam- the the familia, you know whatever the fuck they're calling themselves, those yeah. guys, right? You know. I kind of felt that it could have gone to them. I thought, you know, you might need another heel team in there. But now you have two face teams in there. So hopefully, the other, you know, we, we figure it out. But either way, really good way to open the show. And pretty deadly seem pretty fucking confident that Sam Grabwell has zero friends and is going to be a handicap match. What the fuck is going to happen with that? Like, because honestly, I laugh because they were right. Zab Grabwell has no fucking friends. He's made no friends. Mm-hmm. So who in the fuck is going to team with him? I want to know, honestly. I want to know. And finally, we're going to get a trios match between La Familia and, and Gallus. And Gallus is going to absolutely punish those three bastards. Yeah. <laughs> it's going to happen. Watch. All right. You were saying about Volter before we move on to Impact. Yeah. Um, I got a bad feeling because Imperium is already slowly falling down the card in the tag team division with Walter. Which is funny because they're the fucking tag champs. Yeah, but you know they're not going to last long. Vince McMahon will probably want them booked as foreign heels because you know how Vince is with that. But I'm I'm wishing that Imperium stayed in the UK. Yeah, I agree. I I, I agree as well. I mean, they're we'll, tag champs right now, but on the main roster, they're going to get killed. Yeah, unfortunately, we'll see what happens. I I I don't want to absolutely put the idea, you know, put the idea in my head that maybe it won't it it will go. I don't want to put the idea in my head that it'll go that way. I want to be positive about it, but we know WWE's track record when it comes to these things. So, unless we'll you have Vince's attention for more than five seconds, you're fucked. That is true. All right. Well, again, that was the NXT UK report from the yep. basement. You get that every week after we talk about AEW Dynamite. And then we go from there to talk about Impact Wrestling, which was the fallout to Hard to Kill. So I once again yield the floor back to the Sith Lord to begin talking about that. Sith, yep. it's on you. And it's usually on this time where Champ and I just go rapid fire. So in our opening segment, we had... W. Morrissey and Moose having a showdown from the repercussions of the triple threat match. And then the Ring of Honor people came in and just not only wrecked havoc, but took out D'Lo Brown. Champ, you push your berry. Push. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I think they're going to do an invasion ergo a lot better than WWE did back in 2001, honestly. Push. Big facts push. Absolutely. In the X Division, we had Dashing Chris Bay of the Bullet Club taking on Laredo Kid, and we had Trey Miguel on commentary. So both the match and Trey Miguel on commentary. Champ, do you push or bury? Push. This is another showcase of the X Division, and 
watch. I'm telling you, keep your eye on Chris Bay. I've been yep. saying that for a long time, but keep an eye on him some more because he's going to be in the running for the exhibition title sooner rather than later. Yep. And I'm going to push and say this again. It's not because he's from Alexandria, VA. No. Right. It's, he's highly talented. And you can tell because Trey was scouting him big time on commentary. Yep. We're spitting facts here. And um, speaking of people that could have a future, Speedball Mike Bailey took on Jake something in a rematch of Saturday night with Ace Austin and Man Man Fulton on commentary. Champ, you push your berry. Wasn't a rematch because Jake something was in another pre-show match oh, my bad, prior my bad. to that. But yeah. You push again. You got to see Mike Bailey in a solo environment mm-hmm. and not a multi man. You can see how amazing this kid is and what we've been missing from him being not being allowed to wrestle in the United States for the last four or five years. Push, he's gonna have a bright future and impact. Yes, he will. You definitely push. Raj Singh took on Jonah. Oh boy, you gotta feel sorry for Raj, but champ, do you push your berry? Push. Raj put his foot in his mouth, and then Jonah put his foot in his ass. <laughs> Push. All right. Jonah's here for two reasons. Two reasons. Kick some ass and win gold. He's still kicking ass first. Facts. Yep. Honorable mention before we get to my final one. <laughs> God. What's, what is You know, it, the learning tree needs to learn a lesson. You don't fuck around with moose. Listen, I'm gonna say this right. I'm gonna say this right now because Ziggy Ziggy Dice is actually streaming on Twitch right now, and I guess he's on the front page. He's got over seven thousand people watching him, but Ziggy Dice got shit on. <laughs> yep. And you know what? I wonder how soon before uh, he's kicked out of the learning tree and they bring in the trash bag reference again. Oh no. <laughs> What's the the final bit, dude? What the fuck? All right, final bit was our main event where we had the Triple H champion, the the Deanna Barraza taking on the Ring of Honor champion, Rock C, and the post-match as well. So title versus title. Champ, you push or bury. Oh, my Lord. This is a push right here. This is actually the fourth big push of the night. The Reina de Reina's champion, Deanna Perrazzo, now a double champion, as she is the Ring of Honor Women's World Champion. Roxy, this is my first opportunity watching Roxy, and she is amazing. She is amazing. Yes. But also what makes this a big push is you didn't see it coming. You didn't think that an impact talent would win the Ring of Honor Championship, and it happened. And now it happened, she did it pretty much clean with the submission. So, push, big push. That was amazing. It was amazing. Amazing. And not only big push, but who jumped right in her face in the post-match? Maria Kanellis. Yup. Oh. And then all the breaks loose after that. Pretty much, yeah. Matt Matt Raywall tried to jump in there to save uh, Deanna from the invaders, and they just absolutely got banged. Yeah, he got he got destroyed. But one <laughs> um, other, I have an honorable mention also yo. that I had on my list, and that's this. Where the fuck did Charlie Haas come from? <laughs> like, oh my god! Yes. 
Where the fuck did he come from, bro? Like, what? Josh Alexander's like, in the ring cutting a promo, and that's the, you know, Charlie Haas today comes up. I said, wait, ain't no way that Charlie Haas can't crawl out of a hole somewhere. Because he looked like he crawled out of a hole somewhere. And is challenging Josh Alexander to a wrestling match. Do you have yes. any idea how fucking lit that wrestling match is going to be, bro? I wonder if we're getting that next week. That would be nice. I think we are. I think we are, and if we're getting it next week, then trust and believe me, I don't want anybody to talk to me during that match. Exactly. I mean, the only person I'll talk to before that match is Whitney. After that, I'm on radio silence. Y'all just going to deal with it. Listen, don't nobody talk to me during that match. Whenever I, If I say to somebody, <laughs> I'm about to watch Impact Wrestling, and then I come back to you and say, okay, Josh Alexander versus Charlie Haas is on. Leave me alone. You better right. leave me the fuck alone, okay? <laughs> All right, let's move on. All right, Friday night, we go to Smackity Down, where, again, we had more builds towards the Royal Rumble. And in our opening segment, which led into number one contenders match, the Usos came out, and the first thing they did was put the New Day over because they recognized that those two teams raise each other up the ladder all the time. And then we had a number one contenders match to find out who would be the number one contenders champ. The number one contenders match plus your opening segment with the Usos. Do you push or bury? The Usos are some petty motherfuckers. You know that? They yep. said they got the thing started and they super kicked two of the people and then ran out. I like, I'm like, you know what? Y'all are petty. But I give this a push. The Viking Raiders are finally going to get a shot at championship gold after they were the Raw Tatching champions. I'm with it. Push. Absolutely, you push. Um, and it's kind of funny because I thought that the Viking Raiders were on their way down the tubes, and now they're going to get a title push here. Absolutely, you push. Whew. What's next? Um, honorable mention, Aaliyah getting her first big W against Natalia with... A segment, a post-match, and a squash. That's my honorable mention because I'm wondering, is Aaliyah, would Aaliyah be on TV if Tony Storm was still around? That's a good question. That's a you good know? question. I saw Bleach that way, but Bleach Bleach Report has something really interesting to say about this match, if you want to call it a match, and that they felt like this win wasn't very meaningful because Aaliyah had been off TV for the last couple of months. And then suddenly she's back and she just broke a record for the fastest match in WWE history. So I find that to be an interesting take. I don't know if I agree with that take because look who she got the record on. Someone who currently has three world records. So that's going to be, that's creating a nice little storyline that I think that they need to see their, see, see through to that. They need to see that through, honestly. They do. They I th- I enjoyed it. I enjoyed the segment. And you know we hate squashes here, but I enjoyed the segment because it made Natalia look like, oh, you've been hyping up all these world records, but now you're a part of a world record on the wrong side yeah. of it. So that's, that's. Yeah, that's my that's my thought on it. But Lita came back last night. And so. oh she had a promo segment. Champ. You push your berry. 
Lita was a crush of mine when I was younger, so that's that's that. So it's a push. I really enjoyed the interaction between these two. I really like Lita feigning the slap and getting Charlotte Flint ducking down, thinking she was about to get slapped, and she didn't, and she still got shit on with the with the twist of fate. Yep. <laughs> oh shit, push. Yep. And a match that people are going to possibly talk about for a while. Sheamus took on Ricochet, which is like go back to their matches on Raw. Champ, you push your berry. Jesus Christ. Push. That's all I'm going to say. Push. That's all. Yeah. Fuck. Push. And I pray to God this is something good for Ricochet, but we just don't know. And then to wrap up the night, we had our tribal chief, your tribal chief, our tribal chief meeting up with Seth Rollins in the main event segment. Champ, you push a berry. He went and he did the fist. And Roman said, That's beneath me now. Yes! Get shit on, Rollins! <laughs> Big push! My tribal chief, your tribal chief, our tribal chief, the head of the table absolutely just demolished him just off of that. But and then cheering the tribal chief now. Yeah, but now not only did he shit on him with that, but then he said, I wouldn't have picked anybody out of I would have picked anybody else in your household. If I wanted a super if I wanted a superstar, I would have picked your wife. wife. I said, get shit on Rollins. But then Rollins kind of kind of kind of got at him too. This was a great segment, and Seth Rollins is proving the, is showing he's very smart because he knew the Usos were coming from behind and he still avoided it. I'm yeah. like, you know what? This is good. Big push, number five of the night. Big push. We are big pushing all over the place tonight, folks. But now we go from Smackity Down to Rampage, the hour-long show that AEW gives us on Friday nights. And we opened up with a match between Trent Barretta and Adam Cole, baby. Champ, you push your berry. Push. Trent looks so great since he came back from his neck surgery. Um, and I like the, the idea of Cole going after that said neck. Great wing psychology from Adam Cole. I don't think he gets enough credit for that. Big push. And all the action with the best friends and the elite just adds to it. Yep, absolutely. Sean Spears took on a development talent, Andrew Everett. But then we had a post-match encounter, though. Champ, you push your berry. Keeping it right where it is, Sean Spears is an established veteran. He don't need to be squashing people, honestly. Um, but his post-match promo with C- uh, you know, addressing CM Punk was pretty good. So I'm keeping it right where it is. I'm not burying it, but I'm not pushing it. I'm keeping it right in the middle as well. Um, I'm not a fan of having squash matches on Rampage at all. Hey, Tony Khan, that's called lazy fucking booking asshole. However, the post-match, though, sowing more seeds. Wardlow has had enough. So that part I'm pushing. Absolutely. Um, and now we get into something fun. We had a trio's match in the women's division. Chris Statman and Red Velvet legit Layla Hirsch took on the native B-style Rose, Penelope Ford, and the Bunny. Champ, you push your berry. 
push. Layla Hirsch is turning heel sooner rather than later, and the fact that the pinfall was by the bunny, who hasn't been the most winningest of the three, really spoke volumes. And the fact that Layla Hirsch, with her selfishness, took the pin, that's sowing more seeds of her turning heel very soon. Yep. Absolutely. You push. It's a solid truth, man. She continued a lot of stories that are ongoing and some that are building. And at least with this one, the women had some decent time to show out. So definitely you push. Jay Lethal and Ricky Starks had a nice little segment as well last night on Rampage. Champ, you push your berry. You push that. Jay Lethal basically came out and said, no uncertain terms, keep my fucking name out your mouth, bitch. (laughs) But I like that. Oh, go ahead. That's it, and I and I like that. I like that we're going to get Jay Lethal versus Ricky Starks for the FDW Championship. That's going to be a hell of a wrestling match, honestly. What you got? Oh, you push for another reason, though. What's the other because reason? Because Lethal threw out the FTW titles and officially recognized by AEW. Yeah, he did. Yeah, that was, that was, kind, of, that was kind of fucked up, dude. He ain't have to. You ain't have to remind them that that championship's not recognized by AEW. You ain't have to remind them. And the fucking Taz on commentary is just losing his fucking mind. Oh, that was fucking Je- him and Jericho going back and forth. Jericho's like he's a former world champion. Taz, I don't give a shit about that. I'm like, oh, okay, baby, <laughs> that was great. And finally, in our main event, Jurassic Express put the AEW Tag Team Championships on the line. Between with John Hungy Silver and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order, the promo before the match, as well as the match, champ, you push your berry. I was hoping you was going to put the promo before the match as part of this because I wanted to point out the fact that Silver and Reynolds really took a shot at Christian Cage with the kazoos. I said, you know what? I said, you know what? I respect it. I respect it. I do. And the match was really good. This was one of those matches right here. Like, as as someone who is a huge fan of tag team wrestling, this is another one of those matches I really appreciated, honestly. Absolutely. Fun, fun stuff, fun stuff. So push. You push. And the kazoos were just an absolute riot. And I like that type of comedy before a match. Just to help build in that tension just a little bit more. Good shit. Absolutely. And that was your week in review. Thank you, Sif, for hosting that and having all the bits. Like I said, I had them, but again, I had zero motivation. So I was just like, let let you you do it, and I'll just piggyback off of you. So that's it for your week in review. We now head to the final segment of the show, which is Final Thoughts, where we give our thoughts either wrestling-related or non-wrestling-related. And then we plug what we have coming up uh, in the week. So Sif will have the floor first as always. I don't have any final thoughts this week. Nothing really stood out to me this week to, to talk about. Um, so Sif will be the one to get final thoughts, and I'll let you know what I got coming up on the, this coming week. But Sif, the floor is yours. Okay, welcome back, everyone, to the alternate basement. As I said in my open, hey, I got my booster this afternoon, and there's something I need to say here and now. COVID is still very much real, even though a lot of people would rather act as though of, hey, it's a lighter strain of it. No need to do what we did in 2020 as well as last year. Actually, the need to be vaccinated and boosted when it's your time to do so is imperative. Yes, people can still catch COVID still vaccinated and boosted, but the science says that just like with, say, the flu shot, 
getting your vaccination shots and booster shots cuts down on the chances of you contracting COVID. And also, if you contract COVID, if you're vaccinated and or boosted, your chances of survival are way up. And also to that point, you won't have as much severe symptoms either to that point, and you will recover faster. Take it from someone who knows adults and children who have fought this illness. It's nothing to fuck around with. It's a horrible virus. And honestly, I've got to come back to how things were for me personally when the virus started to get rampant. I'm very careful as to where I go these days. Yes, Whitney and I went to brunch this morning at a local establishment and enjoyed it. But after that, we were here at the alternate basement before and after my booster shot for me. We don't go to restaurants where we know it's going to be jam-packed without without people wearing masks. We basically stay in two bubbles, and it's to the point where we don't even go to the movies yet. Yes, I know the Batman is coming out in March, but I'm too concerned of contracting COVID at this point to make that jump to go see a big movie. Common sense is needed here, folks. If you're still on edge about getting vaccinated, now's as any time as good to, as ever to do so. If you're worried about wearing a mask, what I do is I go into a restaurant with my mask on and it stays on until I get into my booth or table. It's not that bad of a thing, folks. Just please wear a mask and get vaccinated and or boosted. Like what I say on my show time and time again, I don't question the existence of the virus. I question the politicians and the rules because they don't follow the rules that are put in place for us to follow. I don't question the validity and severity of the virus. I question the picking and choosing as to who's exempt from the rules based on political preferences instead of a set of rules for everyone to follow. Get vaccinated, get boosted, wear a goddamn mask, and ignore twat waffles who either deny the existence of the virus or deny the existence of vaccines and boosters. Together as a people, working together, we can get this fucking virus under control again for once and for all. And that, my friends, is my final thought. Tomorrow in the basement, the top 30 songs on my birthday playlist in all nine seasons of Dexter, including New Blood Ranked and more, champ, I yield the floor. Okay, I do have a final thought. Fuck this. So last night, <clears throat> I got to play Among Us with a couple great communities, Shreddy, six bit, uh, Shreddy and Six Bit, her fiancé, and a bunch of other folks, Sunshine, uh, Sill, uh, Nips, all you guys, great guy, great guys and gals, fun times. It got, it gets a little tense with Among Us because you know it's, it's you basically have to lie, so it can get a little bit tense. Uh, but if many of you remember podcast a few podcasts ago, I brought up the uh, the concept of stream sniping and how a lot of these big uh, Call of Duty streamers have to hide their screens and do fake mouse ta uh, taps to make it seem like they're queuing in so that people don't can, are trying to guess when they're queuing in so they can get into their games, watch their streams, and go and try to kill them for clout. I, experienced, I was a part of an experience of a stream snipe for the first time in my life, and I was very upset by that. Some kid 
decided he was going to watch the stream and rat out the streamer who was the imposter in the chat, and the guy got voted out. And it come to find out he stream sniped him and, and used the information there to make the deduction that he was the imposter and got him voted out. I was very, very upset by that. I was very, very upset because this is a game, and I said it on, on during their both of their streams, and I'm saying it here again. Play the game straight up and right. What is the point of stream sniping? What are you trying to do with that? That would be like, like, it's just, it just makes no sense to me why. Why was that kid so determined that he wanted to be, oh, I, I, caught, I caught the imposter. Yeah, you caught the imposter. You were watching him. Of course you caught the imposter. You were watching him. I went 2-1 and one as imposter last night. Thank God I didn't stream. I probably would have got stream sniped or something, even though nobody watches these streams anyway. But still, what is the point? I still want to know what is the point of doing it. What is the purpose? What is the end game? Here's my thing. Stop doing it because that's toxic. It's toxic and it's stupid. You play these games straight up and down using strategy and, and your mind to win. You don't go on someone's stream and look and see them with the red above their thing and then go into a text. And the problem is the kid was in a text chat. He couldn't even get in a voice chat and be. He was in a text chat saying, oh, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him, it's him. It's it's uh, it's so frustrating. Like I said, I've seen it from a distance, and I got frustrated for the individuals who had it happen to them. But for me to be a part of a game where it happened, it was very, very upsetting and frustrating. And that kid better have been glad I was not the other imposter because he would have really got an earful from me. He probably would have snitched me out too, and then I really would have got on his ass. Stop fucking stream sniping. All you're doing is alienating yourself from different communities if that's the way you want to win games is by cheating like that. It's pathetic, it's stupid, and it has no place in this realm. No place at all. Period. And that is my final thought. So, coming up Monday, we got the Wiz I'm part of the Wizards Roundtable, part of the Sports on the Hill podcast. Uh, we will be talking about this week with the Wizards. And right now, tonight, it is not looking good for them, but they are going against the Portland Trailblazers, one of the best teams in the NBA. So no shock there that they're getting their asses handed to them. Um, but we'll be talking about that as well as other action from this week for the Wizards, which was a pretty interesting week for them uh they're all they're, they're all these games they have coming up are home games is a big a long home stand for them but we'll talk about that as well as uh they will be talking about the nfl playoffs this weekend and also caps hockey as well so make sure you the tune Patriots in are losing right now to buffalo well shit <laughs> nothing in court. i was just checking my phone just check the score real quick i'm like oh shit <laughs> Yep, and so we have that as well. And so that'll be coming up at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. You can either watch it on YouTube, search Carol Porter III, uh, or you can check it out on Twitch at twitch.tv slash RobbieG underscore sports O-T-H-P. And you can check it out live, and then you can listen to the audio versions of the podcast. They usually go up within 24 hours, I believe. So make sure you check that out. All right.
we still got this show done in under three hours. I'm so amazed by that. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so amazed by that. All right. So, guys, for those of you, and thank you, thank you, Wifey, for, for that. It's, it's always fun playing Among Us with them. For those of you listening on the audio podcast, we appreciate you listening as always. We will be back again next, uh, next week where we will be looking ahead, to, uh, looking at the week coming up. And I think our next seg, our, our third segment after the New Japan recap, we'll do our countdown, our, our, our top matches countdown for 2021. I think yeah. we'll do that. We'll do our top five matches of 2021 and bring that to you next week. So make sure you listen for that. And so for those of you listening, we leave you here. Take care and have a great night. Peace out. See you next week. Hey guys, it's Champ here. We hope you enjoyed that episode of No Spots Podcast. If you did, make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, facebook.com slash nospotspod, as well as on Twitter, at True No Spots Pod. We will catch you on the next episode. Myself, Donnie Wrestling, and The Sith for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.